<laughs> just ruining everything. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Catching Foxes, and I got three people, two people with me, three people total. I can do math. I did the Robinson curriculum. <laughs> uh, we got, of course, the interim wannabe Luke Carey, Brian the Professor Jones. How you doing, Brian? Good. How you doing? I almost called you Van Vickle because I did the middle name nickname thing, and I was I almost said Brian. Oh gosh, I just I'm the poor man's Dave. You are, you are the poor man's Dave Van Vickle. But we have the rich man's David Huss. We got Father David Huss here. How are you doing, Most Reverend? <laughs> doing great, doing great. Do Glad we call you Most Reverend? Is that the title? Uh, no, I'm just Reverend. If just I was regular a re- Reverend. Yep, just a regular old Reverend. That's a, that's kind of sucks. How do you get Most Reverend? Uh, rector of the seminary, <laughs> the pastor. I think is a Most Reverend technically. Okay, yeah, because so, Father Tom would. Yeah, he would make me address him as Most Reverend. <laughs> But now he's the very right reverend. Is that uh, yeah, what? He, it, yeah, he's very, is he yeah. very right? <clears throat> yeah, that's well. When, I think when, when we, one becomes a vicar him, for clergy, like, yeah. yeah, when he was mailed something that was, uh, and and when we received something from him, it says the very right reverend. I yeah. am a very model of a modern major reverend. <laughs> 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 that yeah, seems know, crazy. That seems crazy. I love the titles that go back to like medieval honorifics. Oh yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I've never known this. I've never been the guy who knows all the church politics and all that sort of stuff. And like, even those, I would be like, "How do I address this person?" <laughs> Let me go Google it. When I was a uh, at Bishop Kelly Catholic High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, we were bishops acolytes. If you were an acolyte at the school, so altar server, you were to be a bishop's acolyte uh, whenever he does major events around the diocese of Tulsa. And I loved our bishop. He was a great guy, Bishop uh, Slattery. Slattery, slaughter, and. Uh, he used to celebrate mass at Orientum caused a great hubbub in the nineties when he did that. Um, but he, uh, so we would go and do these masses cause everyone near downtowns are all geriatrics and everyone, you know, got out of there, right. Out, out of the downtown areas. And so we would go around and do these special events. And one day my buddy Elliot and I, and Chris Miller, I'm sure is already laughing cause he knows this story, but we're altar servers. We're in the, the vesting sacristy and he's screwing together his crozier, Elliot is, for the bishop. And it comes in three parts, he's screwing it together. And he goes, yo, bish, can I call you bish? And the bishop just slowly turns around and he goes, you can catch a shark with this hook. And he's holding it upside down. And the bishop just, <laughs> I just the, said the, bishop. the bishop just looks at him, starts laughing. He goes, you sure can. You sure can. And then he just goes right back to buttoning his 400 buttons. It was the best day of my life. <laughs> and he goes, what's your favorite food? A bish kebab? And no one laughed. I thought it was well, hilarious. That's, that's a tough joke. It is a tough joke. Yeah. <laughs> tough crowd. Yeah. Tough crowd. It doesn't seem like that would land well. Mm-mm. When I had to give a, I, I did an event where there was 40, 50 priests and f- four or six bishops, bishop emeritus's. And I got up there. It's like syllabus, yeah. Yeah. And then I get up there and I'm like, how am I going to open this? How am I going to open this? And I'm like, I just did my standard opening. What's up, nerds? (laughs) (laughs) Instant, instant, like, oh, okay, this is going to be, this is not going to be torture. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how you prefer to be addressed by a layperson? (laughs) That's what? A nerd. Oh, yeah. I absolutely am a nerd. Yeah. We're all nerds. It's just every, what are you a nerd for? That's the thing. So I would argue there's a difference between a nerd and a geek. Okay. You what? geek out over things that you love. Okay. But a nerd also combines your aspect, which is social ineptitude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then 
<laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe am I socially inept? After three hours of confession, I think I am. So Three hours. Yeah. What is it like hearing confession? Is it the best thing ever? Is it awkward? Yeah. Is it draining? It is draining. All all the sacraments are absolutely draining um, because, I mean, you are a conduit for Christ, and Christ is doing something in you. Um, but absolutely, confession is draining, but it's absolutely glorious to see people get set free. And I I, I have tried to go back and look at what St. John Vianney, St. Alphonsus Liguori, all these saints have said in terms of um, administering the sacrament well, and that even more so takes a lot of time and a lot of heart and effort and well thinking of how do I help this soul? How do I give them not a medicine that's too strong that could kill them and not enough that it really does nothing. Mm. So you're having to be constantly discerning and praying while you're listening, trying to actively listen to the sins while of, especially right now where people have not been taught how to go to the sacrament of confession. Well, um, you have to kind of like coach them through things. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's life giving, especially when somebody has one of those breakthrough moments, um, where they, you, they recognize like, yeah, this thing really is like killing me and I need to be done with this sin. Um, so yeah, it's beautiful. Do a lot of people do the, what I call the Catholic dance where they're like, I went 26 in a 25 mile an hour zone. I murdered a family of four. I told the white lie. Uh, I don't see as much of that. What I see, and this goes into like JP2's, like one of the biggest problems is the loss of the sense of sin, is people just don't know gravity at all anymore. Um, so what you do is they'll be like, you know, Father, I, you know, I, I've got a few sins since the last time. It's been like 10 years since their last confession. And, uh, and they'll be like, yeah, you know, so I gossip, I do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, so uh, any other sins? You know, it's been 10 years or whatever. Like, yeah, I mean. Anything else? Anything else? Any other sins you got over there? Yeah, and then it'll be some gigantic set of mortal sins. And I'm like, yeah, those are the ones we should really be talking about. <laughs> Not the, like, I was mean to my wife and whatever. Like, yeah, the mortal sins is what we got. That's what's literally killing you. That's why they're called mortal sins. Wouldn't it be funny if, like, they're behind the confessional and they're like, well, no, gosh, I don't, I don't have any other sins. No. Well, okay, yeah, I did kill a family of five. But I just, in my defense, I love to watch the light in their eye die. <laughs> It's beautiful. Their last breath. <laughs> it is. It is. It has this to be. This is why we have fixed screens. Yeah. No, no, I yeah. wish. Uh, why do you wish? What's wrong with uh, just two people in knee to knee sharing uh, an intimate moment? Because it shouldn't be that intimate. Um, no, screens. Screens are one. They're they're basically they're demanded by canon law. Um, it is supposed to protect the anonymity to give the penitent the ability to be anonymous if they so wish. But arguably, in the crazy litigious world and just the world where you know evil people want to do evil things, and and so to protect the priests as well. Like they're, I would argue, and I think you're going to see it more and more with some of the younger priests is just, they're going to build confessionals that have the screen up. They're not even going to give the option for the face to face, or if they do, they're going to have to build. I've seen it before in some various dioceses. I'm not going to do it on the air cause I'm not going to describe it well, but they basically created like this great where, where the priest was sitting, where the penitent could sit, you could see each other face to face, but otherwise there's still just a wall that's stopping you. So no, nobody can accuse the priest of any funny business because there's no way it could happen. And then someone somewhere will find a way. Sure, whatever. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. What were you going to say, Brian? I wasn't going to say anything. I was just listening attentively. <laughs> you were just listening attentively and taking notes. Why? What is the hardest part about uh, hearing an unprepared confession? Is it the fact that they got sins that like the gravity thing? Is it that they don't even know how to properly repent? You know what's going on there. 
I mean, it, it really does depend on the on the particular not prepared for confession. I mean, there's a not prepared for confession. I got like one thing. And they just, they didn't, you, you can tell they didn't even look at an examination of conscience. There's the, there's the not prepared and you can just tell they're so lackadaisical. They're just going through the, the motions. They're using it as like the Catholic car wash type of thing. And so I'm like, oh, it's killing me because while I know grace is still going to be somewhat active, I'm like, you're missing out on tons because you actually need to be repentant. Um, and I'm glad you're in here and there's some supernatural movement because you got attrition, like you at least fear hell or your mom does and got you in here or whatever. But <laughs> like it's I think it's to some degree, at least for me, it's the ache of the heart of like you could have so much more. You could have the life of Christ and yet you just need to spend some more time like asking God to reveal those things in your heart. Use a good examination of conscience and like like beg God to love him so much you hate your sins. But. I mean, and, and the only other types that come to the top of my head is just the person who's not prepared and hasn't like succinctly figured out like this is how I save my sin, because again, back to people not knowing how to confess, they'll you're dancing around something. They dance around like how to say it. I'm like, just come out with it. Like, what type of sin is it? Like, sixth commandment. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, there's a lot under that umbrella. All right, what are we talking about? I was like, I don't need graphic detail, but like, give me the species of the sin. And then I have to be explain what species is. But anyway, yeah. Uh, it was a human species? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> I really didn't want to deal with the bestiality thing today. <laughs> not, not today. Not today. Not on Wednesday not night. On, not on hump day. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday morning's different. The week, the weekend starts. It's, it's different. No, I, my, my worst experience of confession was where I hid porn when I was 15 and I was in the confessional, and I ref- I was so nervous, and I didn't know. I I think I knew something about you have to con- like, but I didn't know that pornography was a mortal sin. And I this is back in the in the eighties and nineties. No one talked about this stuff, right? And uh, so I go to confession. This really holy priest is like, "Well, is that it?" And I was like, "Yes, Father." And he goes, "Um, okay. Can I ask you a couple questions about sins that are typical for your boys your age?" And I was like. Uh, sure. He's like, uh, have you ever gotten in any fist fights or, you know, whatever? He's like, how's your anger? And I'm like, uh, fine. It's good. I, I'm not an angry person. He's like, okay. And then he just asked me a handful of things. He's like, have you ever seen anything in, impure images or mental images, fantasies? Did, did you ever? And I like looked at him and I was like, what? and it still wasn't fully clicking. He's like, like pornographic stuff. And I was like, oh. Uh, and I just remember that, like, fight or flight, like, get out of here, man. Get out of here. All the blood drained from my face. I did not want to be in that room because he knew me. He knew my mommy. Uh, <laughs> I was an altar server of his. I had served the previous Sunday and received communion, you know, like all the things. And he goes, have you ever confessed this before? And I was like, no, Father. And he goes, okay, okay. Uh, have you ever gone to confession before and deliberately withheld it? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, okay, okay. Do you know what an invalid confession is? And I'm like, oh, oh. He goes, why don't you just do your best at recounting all the sins you've ever confessed since you started withholding this? Did like a general confession. Yeah, right there. I delayed. It was 20 minutes before mass started, the 5 p.m. Saturday. I delayed mass 10 minutes. I walked out of that confessional. The entire church was staring at me like they were ready to murder me. 
and I did my penance on the mm. front steps of the sanctuary right in front of the tabernacle, and I felt like I could have floated out of there. First yeah. time in my life, yeah. Yeah, thanks be to God. See, that's the stuff, like, I absolutely love. And and those are the ones where kudos to that priest. Like, kudos to that yeah. priest for sticking it out and being like, I don't care about, I mean, that's what John Vianney said, was like, when whoever is in the confessional, they are the only person that matters. You're making sure they're doing a good and valid confession so that they can be set free. And yeah, whatever. Mass started 10 minutes late. Like, you felt like you could float to heaven. Like, that's beautiful and awesome because grace was real. And he actually helped, he truly was a father. He truly accompanied you and then and, and helped you make a good confession. And so, the, yeah, those ones are also, like, just so beautiful and so life-giving. You could have had, I mean, confession could have just been draining you and draining you. And then when you have these people who are, it's been 5, 10, 15, whatever years, or they've had invalid confessions, and you're like, Hey, thanks be to God today. The heavens rejoice over one sinner that comes back than the 99 who never had needed forgiveness. And today is the day you've been holding this sin in for so long. And now, like, it's done. It's done. It's the Lord's. So that's beautiful. How do they act when you're like this? Oh, I mean, what, me? I mean. How do they, how do they respond yeah, to yeah. your... I think most people, because... I legitimately are rejoicing, and I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. football rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there are definitely people that cry. I mean, especially when they have finally let it off their chest, because I, I will every once mm. in a while, like God gives you a little like inkling of, is there anything else that you haven't said, like that should be there? And sometimes like, and this I think is, I mean, it's genuinely the Holy Spirit, or I count it to Mother Mary. I'm always like, just inter- asking her intercession to, like, bring to light the thing that they need and to, like, be fighting for them right now so that they can, if there's any chains, like, break them so that they can get it done. Um, and, yeah, sometimes, a lot of times when I when I get that little, I don't know, tap on, holy tap on the shoulder or whatever the heck it is, like, and I'll say, is there anything else? I'll be like, yeah, you know, Father, like, back when, whatever. And then I'm like, have how long have, have you said that in any other confession since? No. Have you been, again, have you not confessed that every time? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, well then thanks be to God today. And you know, yeah, again, lots of tears. Thanks be to God. Today is the day that you spend two hours in the confession. Yeah, I mean, that's gonna, then... I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go get a Red Bull. You stay right here. I'll get you some graham crackers. It's gonna be a long penance. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You're gonna but be, yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, you're gonna be doing a Divine Mercy chaplet in between each rosary bead. Yeah, it's gonna be a long, exactly. it's gonna be a long penance. Yeah, I don't go with uh, like. There's some priests who are like, oh. So you need to help them understand that they cannot earn God's salvation. Uh, and and now I, I'll say that, like, just so you know, you can't earn God's love. You can't, like, earn your salvation. Um, but at the same time, like, let's be honest. There was a lot of big sins there. And, like, you can, like, the point of, like, praying the whole rosary would be to enter into all those mysteries. Because all of those are Christ saying, I loved you. I'm willing to enter into like into into time into space. I'm willing to take on a human nature to redeem you, person with all those sins that you just mentioned. And so, like, I want you to slowly pray, even if it's not just I don't. You can't have like an hour to go pray like the whole rosary today. Okay, break it up over the next four days. I want you to continue to live in God's love for the next few days for the whole rest of your life. So, like, yeah, let's do a bigger penance, right? Like, you came in here burden with a lot yeah. let's give god back a lot of love and give him opportunities to love you back by praying through like his life and letting mother mary take you by the hand through it you ever seen jeremy irons and um robert de niro in the mission yeah right Long so the guy mm. kills his brother in drunken bravado and realizes to the depths that he sank 
So he joins up with a, I think it's a Jesuit mission in like Peru or something. He joins up with Jeremy Irons, who's the priest, and he does a penance of carrying his armor um, on his tied on a rope to his back, and he carries it up this waterfall where they have to go. And every time they go out for supplies, he always goes. He's a big strapping soldier, but it almost kills him every time he goes up. And his buddy, uh, he was like, you know, Father, why don't you tell him to, you know, like, why did you give him such a harsh penance or whatever? And he's like, I didn't give it to him. He did. And it is amazing because, like, there is this notion of cheap grace that when we don't understand the effects of sin, even in a, like, you could arguably say tying your soldiering armor around, in you know, in a net attached to your waist from a rope and it almost killing you every day is still a joke compared to the gravity of murdering mm-hmm. your own brother, let alone all the other sins he was guilty of. Um, but there is something about that lived experience of penance that brings to my mind the gravity of my sins. And I don't want to go wearing sackcloth for seven years and rebuild a church next door eating only bread and water for seven years, you know. But I do see a place of harsher pen, not harsher, but more penances. Mm-hmm. Well, Ryan, yeah. what's the biggest penance you ever got? Well, before I answer, can I ask a question to Father David? You're yeah. being real pushy. I am. I, I yeah. apologize. No, hey, just- Brian's <laughs> been quiet this whole damn time. I'm just listening, actively listening you are right. participating. I am. Uh-huh. You were Thank praying you. the rosary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, one of the things I was wondering, because talking about the penance, your perspective on, I don't know if you've ever received this as a penance, but something along the following lines. So for the next week, I want you to spend time just thinking about or praying about X, that that's the penance. And so it's a, it's kind of a, it has like something some, that's vague. Yeah, it has some specificity because it has a, an object of, of which you're praying about or over. But there's not uh, actually a penance per se. It's it's a your your penance. Is, so I, I'm asking that not as a criticism, but as the the role that that plays as a kind of prudential judgment for the the sure. professor. So, so remember that the penance is not only just a like an act of reparation, but it's also supposed to be a medicinal treatment to something that aids the penitent. So yeah, like I'll give novenas. Sure. I'll give like for multiple days. Why? Because typically I need, I want them to already start the habit of prayer. And so I'll explain that. Like, look, this is precisely why I'm doing this. This is why I'm giving you a novena. I want you praying nine days. Now, look, I want you praying the whole rest of your life, but I want to start something and I want it like to be this divine mercy novena for again, nine days. It's not, it's five minutes each day. Mm-hmm. Like you can do this. Um, uh, but I mean, the vague thing, I mean, if it's, if it's like, okay, you know, everybody's, uh, the seven deadly sins, everybody's got one of those as a root sin. And I might say like, okay, I want you to read something about anger or pride or whatever, like go Google someone on the saints, read it. And then I want you to pray a decade of the rosary or something. I, I haven't necessarily given those. I will tell people go read about whatever your particular root vice is, but it just generally, yeah. Pray on like what, like kindness or something. Yeah. Like, I want or just to... think this over the next week. Just think about how you can better serve your family, and um, you know, so, so I've gotten quite a bit of the. It, it's not even necessarily the praying, but it could even be the think about how you can better be loving to your your wife or your. And, and yeah. again, it's not a. It's easy to jump on that immediately as a critique. Yeah, yeah, but it's it, but it is the question of well the the what's actually being cultivated, uh, what what reparation is actually being uh, is is actually being 
made, as you said, in the in the first point. So. I think depending, I mean, I'm trying to put my myself in the mind of that particular priest. I mean, this is also why often you can read in some of like the saints' writings why it's good to have a, a regular confessor because the confessor can begin to know you and know that, okay, this is a person who's going to actually pray. They're probably already doing some penance on their own. So if he's needing, based on the sins that I've heard, like I need him to think about X because he's, he wants to, his sins were, you know, not loving his wife or being, you know, uh, uh, and so like think of how you can love your wife in the next week so that then you can figure out a battle plan of like loving her well in the weeks to come after that. And so maybe it's just like stretching it over time again, yeah. trying to give you the period of time in which to think of it. So, so that it's not, you're it's so not generous. All. Really what this is is priests who don't understand how to give penances and they just say things. Right. Yeah, there was this one priest. Well. There's one priest who used to just do a memorized, regardless of what you said, he would just go, like, and he yeah. would just have a script that he would go through in one breath, and he would finish it, and it was the same. It was a oh, script. I've, yeah, I've experienced that. Memorized script. He'd get to the end with losing his breath, asking me to make my. Actually, I don't even know if he ever asked you to make an act of contrition. Oh, unfortunately, that's far too common. Yeah. Does that make it invalid? Uh, no. Does it make it illicit? Yeah, it's illicit because you're supposed to do some form of, uh, I'd have to go look that up. So nobody, no canon lawyers out there. Quote what me. if you but, don't give absolution? Does that make it invalid? <laughs> yeah. Cause that's happened yeah, that before. One, that's happened uh, but before. There, there is. <laughs> Did you just absolve yourself, but, father? But like, for instance, I do know, I was looking at something the other day. Uh, well, again, don't quote me, but, uh, something in regards to like making everybody do their act of contrition outside at some of these big old penance services that used to exist. Like, yep. okay, everybody do their act of contrition now. Like, yep. no, no, no. You're supposed to do your yeah, act I've of contrition. I've been to so many of those. Yeah. All right. We're going to all say the act of contrition now. Now we're all going to confess the sins that we've all committed. The big ones. One, Three. two. Yeah. <laughs> well, the person we, someone that we all know. Where their penance service, remember, was you would uh, you would almost come forward, you'd process forward as if you were to receive Holy Communion, and there were priests and w- that were standing there like they were going to distribute Holy Communion, and you would lean to the side and whisper into their ear what your sins were. Did they also tell only to say like one or two sins? Uh, that one's also specifically spoken out by the church. You cannot tell people to only confess like one or two of their big sins or something right. like that. I, I so I don't think that was explicitly said, but I would presume that just the conditions of that would would almost lead implicitly in that yeah. direction, mm-hmm. where you'd be like, "I don't. Uh, this is awkward. This is mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Do I really have to whisper in your ear?" Driving back from killing your brother, you cannot what, what's react. The, what's with you in the you murder? You cannot react. I just watched that a uh, Key and Peele Crystal Light thing. Did you ever see oh, that? No, uh-uh. Have you guys ever seen the Crystal Light like aerobics thing where they're mm-hmm. all dancing these crazy dance? They're all doing the like eighties aerobics and they're going nuts and it's this Crystal Light competition. So Key and Peele made fun of it and they recorded it as if they were there. And one of the guys is doing the cue cards and the cue cards are like. 
They're like, dance, smile more, coming up jazz hands. Hey, Marcus, your family was just hit in a terrible accident. Everyone, <laughs> jazz hands, keep smiling. Marcus, it doesn't look like they're going to make it. They're being lifelighted. And it's like all this horrific <laughs> stuff. And he's like, who Terrible. could possibly? And he's, but they're doing all the dances yeah. the whole time. And he's trying to figure it out. And then he looks over at his friend and his friend is just staring at him evilly. And he's like, the guy back at the cue cards is like, don't look now, but we think he did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, I killed your brother. I don't know why I'm on murder today. I think it's because yeah. none of our audience has murdered anyone lately. Just a tough day today, you think? And so it's really tough. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. we. I think you and I spoke a couple times. So. Yeah, that just added. It's yeah. like a, it's like you were talking about the gravity of sin earlier. It's just the gravity of being in this office. It's like a black hole. That's what it's like working across from Brian. It's like, hey, wh- where did all the joy go? Oh, I know, down that hole. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the thing that was probably the the thing that was the most strange was just uh, Father David. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, where the. Uh, when the priest tells you to make your, uh, to say the act of contrition, and he is then saying the absolution. Same time. At the same time. And it, and so, you know, it was, go ahead, okay, now. See, I can shave off yeah. three seconds. Right, right. And it was just, <laughs> yeah, so it really, that that was honestly the most, uh, the first, having the first time I ever experienced it, it was very awkward because it was, it was kind of like, oh, uh, you, it was like, oh, am I, no, you, me? Me, him, yeah. him, me. So it was just kind of this, the strange. I mean, he he just kept going, and then and then I almost like paused, yeah. And then I just said it, yeah, because I, I felt like I kind of rushed through it. I didn't really say it, yeah, in, yeah, it yeah. with its entirety. So I went out, said it again, and then did the penance. And but Jesus is like, he has a lightning bolt. He's like, uh, 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 oh, no, yeah. I had a spiritual director in seminary like that too, and I was like, I don't understand where this is coming from. Is this like a cultural thing? Again, was this taught in the seminaries at one particular time? Is this a particular rigi- religious order? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Those but, are Ursuline sisters in Ohio <laughs> yeah. that don't exist anymore. You know me. Anymore. That would be my spiritual director. Ursuline <laughs> sisters of Ohio. Median age eighty three point four. Let me tell you how I hear confession, <laughs> Sonny. Uh, Are you a, a bottle sister? of gin? Father? <laughs> oh, you kids. Well, look, the nice With thing your about... your separate prayers. Th- let me say one thing about the Ursuline sisters, though. Those business lapel crosses... Yeah. With, on their, like, business suits, incredible. Very yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Broke art. Yeah. Broke. Just, yeah it's broke I've art. never seen <laughs> pantsuit look so good. But, yeah, that's yeah. probably the strangest. Uh, I mean, I Where people... So, my strangest, as an adult, as a grown-ass man, was when I went to confession, I was prepared. I was on a retreat of a popular kind, and I had gone through all my sins. I was well-prepared. I It literally was the thing I was looking forward to the most on this retreat, because I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to go. The whole thing is built around the sacrament of confession tonight. So I get up and I go in, and uh, I had a really good examination of conscience. I can't remember where they where they got them from. I was using a brochure, you know, or trifle thing, and it was good, and got me thinking about a bunch of stuff. And I was like, okay, so I'm, I, and I was saying to myself, most of these men haven't been in years, so I'm going to deliberately go last. And so that gave me like an hour and a half of just contemplating front of the blessed sacrament so it's like okay so i go in and i'm like i'm ready for the cloud nine experience to confess and confront and be bold 
I get uh, two sins into it. So, number one, when I walk in, <gasps> Gomer from the priest. And I'm like, I, I went to you because I didn't think you'd know me. So I go, and he gives me a hug. But he doesn't give me a normal hug. He gives me, like, this death grip bear hug thing. And he's like, you're going to do great today. And I was See, like, back to screens. Let's have them. <laughs> yeah, like, you're yes. going to do great today. You're going to do. You're going to be God's little golden boy. So I sit down <laughs> and we're knee to knee and we're staring into each other's oh, eyes. Gosh. And uh, so I begin to confess and I'm like, I'm not going to do the Catholic dance because I am one to do that sometimes. And so I just I'm like, this is what I did. These are how many times this is what I did. And he's like, oh, brother. Blah, blah, blah. And then he starts giving me advice for the first one. So I'm like, okay, this is a guy. He's an interrupter. I've had interrupters before at Franciscan. Mm. It's great. You know, they're custom tailoring advice. This is now going to be a 20-minute confession. I'm preparing myself for that. So then I go with the second sin. I don't even get to the words, like, basically, or the number. It was like I was starting to say it, and then he interrupts me with more advice about this new sin. Just keeps going and going and going. And it's like, all right. And he puts his arm on my forearm and gives a little little like squeeze like you got this now let's say an act of contrition and i'll give you absolution through the ministry of the church maker and he's just going off and he just goes yeah and so i'm like oh uh oh my god i'm really sorry uh okay he's already done now uh amen he's like amen get up here and he gives me another bear hug and i walk out and i walk by this guy and he's just waiting for me and he goes how was it brother and I go, literally the worst confession ever. And he's like, oh, crap. And I, He's like, well, the bonfire's over there for the sins. And he says in response, well, look, maybe the Lord just wants you to be here for someone else. And and I was. Yeah. You know what? I was. Yeah. And it wasn't me. They've got that response ready. Yeah. So it was, uh, I don't know who you're referencing. It was, yeah, no, I don't need It was confusing because to me, the liberation is not in the act of walking into the confession i know people need a participation trophy you know we all need those like if you're so overwhelmed with what you're about to say like you think the priest's face is going to melt off has your face ever melted off in a confession oh there you go uh you ever heard horrible sins in a confessional there you go so you you know of course <laughs> yes of course you have you've gone I've, I've done my confession um but he uh you know it's like he he just ended it with the participation trophy. Like I'm just going to interrupt you right in the beginning. So what do you? What should I do as a layperson? I'd be like, ah, ah, that, 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 that. Yeah, should just, I like roll up a newspaper and bop him on the nose? Yeah, oh. yeah, definitely a newspaper. <laughs> just carry one all the time. Yeah. Um, Let me get out my Wall Street Journal. No, I mean that, I've uh, had similar things. I mean, it, it gets me to like my most awkward confession, where I had to be like, Father, repeat after me. God, the father of mercies through the death, like, cause he said the words of absolution wrong. And I was like, you're going to say them right. Repeat after me right now. Like that wasn't a valid confession. And that's a problem, especially if you've done that for everybody else here today. Yeah. I was a priest. How, how, how did he butcher it? What did he say? He, he just, he didn't. Cause you can have, like, if you say like, I absolve from or of you switch the like prepositions up sometimes there that it, as long as it keeps the same meaning but he like didn't i, I don't remember what it was me i mean this I other guy you. in your sins yeah <laughs> me I, I, and this it, other guy absolve you of your sins <laughs> right no, it was it was one where he he just clearly did not um he didn't have the formula he did memorized? not have the formula no 
And it's the most important, like the end part. Because you can, you can technically butcher all the stuff before, but you just have to say that last part right. Um, but, yeah, no, he added, like, all this extra stuff. And I'm like, no, that no, you don't get to do that. Again, anyway. Through so. the ministry of the church, may God grant you pardon and peace. The other day I got a $10 discount on my dry cleaning. It was awesome <laughs> in the death and resurrection <laughs> of, of Jesus. Of Wait, what? <laughs> So I tell people because uh, sadly, like t- people do come to you and they tell you these stories and I'm like, yeah, so you correct the priest and you say like, no, father, like, please say at least this last phrase, like I absolve you from your sins and in the Trinitarian formula. And I need you to say that. Um, I just or, imagine or go to just go to another priest. You're, you're going you to report to, the priest. You're going to confession and the priest is, and then the priest looks over as a layperson, and I just take the little pamphlet. And it just comes around the wall so that he, please say these words at the bottom. They're in bold. Yeah. I mean, you have to be careful about it because if, if the priest yeah. is messing up some of the earlier stuff, again, that's not the end of the world. Um, uh, but as long, he needs to say that last part. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the faithful have to be willing to, to stand up and say like, no, we have a right to the actual rights. Um, and then if if they won't respond, go report them to their pastor, go report them to the bishop. It's hard to report about confession, though, because it's not no, like... No, you can say as much as you want about your own confession. About your own, but they can't really respond. They can't, but the thing is, is you the, the person could still just, the pastor or the bishop can go like, hey, there was a report about you that you weren't using the words of absolution. Make sure you go learn these words in case this is real. Um, like, go learn these words. And make sure you're using the proper formula for absolution. But that's not how I was formed. <laughs> well, I was formed ref- without form. <laughs> the formlessness. Reform yourself. It's like uh, it's like the world in Genesis one two. Right? It was formless and void. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of that. A lot of that. A lot of that. What pisses you off the most with priests oh. in the confessional? How much time do we have? Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> you needed a pad though. I was trying to signal you. Yeah. Thank God we have pads. Thank goodness. Right, Torres. <laughs> I mean, the most. I mean, just in the. Conf- I mean, stuff that bothers me about priests is when they don't like embrace the the beauty of the sacrament of reconciliation don't make themselves available enough to it. Um, that they again are rushing people, as we've kind of talked about. Um, that again, they haven't read. Like we, it's great. Like I'm, I'm trying to give out to some of the priests in our diocese um, the Praxis Confessiari, which is Alphonsus Liguori's book on how to be a good confessor. Which Saint John Vianney said that is the book who made him the confessor he was. That's a big deal. We should learn from the saints. We should listen to their wisdom, and then we're going to have to spend. The thing is, if you read that. Get ready, priest. You're going to spend a lot more time with people because you're going to, because especially because we haven't catechized them, or you're going to have to do a lot more catechesis outside and get people prepped for this so they can engage the sacrament like well and yes, somewhat efficiently. But if you're doing your due diligence with people who are uncatechized, it's going to take you a while to do the sacrament to help people go through the sacrament of confession well um, and receive it well. Um, and so just be prepared for that. And that means you're going to have to also be in, like, make more hours available. This whole, like, just by appointment, not going to work. You're just going to have to be in the confessional a ton so that people can do, you can help accompany them uh, to receive the sacrament well. And you, it's interesting, too, you, you mentioned the availability. Um, it, it seems like in, in sort of, um, 
I don't necessarily if I want to say pre-modern or perhaps maybe more traditional parishes. It it's it's part of the habitual sort of nature of those parishes and the and sort of the understanding of the sacrament that you know, there's confession thirty minutes before mass or they'll have confession thirty minutes after. Any time there's mass, there's regular confession or just and and, and it's not even a um, I guess you could say it's not something that they've concluded from some sort of theological reflection. This is just what it means to be a priest generally in those more traditional type of communities. So, but I would say perhaps generally speaking, your average parish doesn't really have that unless it has someone like yourself or someone where we're, we're, we're asking those types of questions of like how would the, the faithful want more frequent confessions, but it, it almost feels like it, it's, it's a practice that's no longer part of the tradition. So how to, how to, you know, go about thinking about it or trying to recover that when it, it seems to almost in some respects, not entirely, but it, it general practice seems to be pretty heavily eviscerated. Yeah. I mean, you said it doesn't come from like some great theological reflection and sure it's not coming from, I mean, guys doing, yeah, some, some day in their holy hour, some holy hour in their day, um, reflecting upon like how great the sacrament of reconciliation is. Um, but it does come from a theological, not understanding yeah. the priesthood, not understanding that sacrament is why you're just going to get caught up in like CEO mode or administrator. And granted, there's a million things to do in a parish um, and you do have to do administrative stuff. You are a father. Father's got to pay the bills, like all these things. There's all these analogies to like an earthly father. But at the same time, too, we do have to go and reflect upon and we should be doing ongoing formation in terms of reading about these sacraments, reading about the priesthood, rediscovering that. Um, so that it will move our heart, so that we will be more available to these things. I, I do think that is because people have either gotten it in formation or they're doing their own like ongoing formation in some of these more quote-unquote traditional parishes, that's why they're making themselves more available. Yeah. Um, and two, they recognize, as you've done some of the reflections on, they recognize the reciprocity between faith and the sacraments. And so, um, yeah, it's an important thing. It, yeah, if if you if you make confession more, they have talked with a few pastors around and like talking with them about times and things like that, and they're like, yeah, if you if you make it more available, don't think you're going to like spread out your confessions. No, you're just going to get more confessions yeah. because the people want it. The people know they need it, and if you just make it more available, they will come. Um, so, yeah. field of dreams, oh, field of confessions, field of penitence. Mm. Shoeless Joe Jackson was a murderer. I just want you guys to know that. <laughs> That's why he couldn't go into the afterlife. He hadn't gone to confession. I was waiting for you to make a cross-eyed joke. No, 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 no. We saw it. I. We saw <laughs> The only cross in his eyes was absolution. Uh, tied to the Paschal yeah, Mystery. It's beautiful. beautiful. It was. Let's take a moment to thank our friends over at Angie St. Magnets. If you love the saints, Angie St. Magnets has a unique way for you to display all of your favorites. Artist and creator Angie spends time in prayer and reflection before drawing each saint magnet by hand. Each image is then professionally printed on high-quality metal magnets for your refrigerator, locker, filing cabinet, front door, or any magnetic surface in your home office or school. Angie's saint magnets are the perfect gift for any occasion. Their unique and charming designs appeal to all ages. Use offer code FOXES20 for 20% off, boom baby, your purchase at Angie's saintmagnets.com 
Special discounts are available for parishes or schools ordering in large quantities for their patron saints. Angie also creates custom images for weddings, anniversaries, memorials, and other special occasions. Hand-drawn images of the saints, over 70 images and continuing to add more. Angie's saint magnets make the perfect gift for all occasions and all ages. They are 3 by 3 inch high-quality metal magnets made right here in the USA. Head on over to www.angies, keep that S in there, it's plural, saintmagnets.com. Special thanks to our friend Angie over at angiesaintmagnets.com for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. And now let's take a moment to talk to our friends over at BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include fatigue, lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, and more. Now, let's be honest. Many of us have been there, especially in the last two years. So what we need to do is recognize that maybe, just maybe, our lack of motivation isn't because we aren't getting enough cardio. (laughs) It might be because we are, in fact, burned out. We often associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feeling burned out, and BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, online therapy wants to remind you to prioritize your own mental and emotional health. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. If this is you, if you feel trapped in your life in any way, I would wholeheartedly recommend you getting personal Counseling, therapy can help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 24 hours. Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com foxes. Thanks to our friends over at BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. So let's switch on to a less controversial subject. Liturgical music! (laughs) (laughs) Here we go! So you guys are liturgical nerds. Brian getting his degree in Notre Dame. Uh, (laughs) I said that right when you took a sip of beer so that you would spit it all over my microphone. Um, No, but you guys are liturgical nerds. You have taken upon yourself... Because of good elements of good formation with Alexis. Alexis Katarna, who is at the seminary, the Cardinal, yeah, brought her there to help us understand the sacred liturgy, sacred music, and because it's an integral part, the church says, of, of the celebration of the liturgy. And, and then, so I always avoided liturgy because I defended like crazy the sacraments, but I avoided the liturgy. This is the thing that I've noticed that separates very conservative parishes from traditional parishes is traditional parishes give you the sacraments, but they care about the liturgy as, like, what gives you the sacraments, right? Whereas conservative parishes care about the sacraments. Like, um, there was this line this one guy said that I thought was so appropriate. He said, you know, when I talk to people that go to conservative parishes where they're, you know, orthodox in their theology, their morality, whatever it might be, they're into apologetics or whatever, They'll say things like, well, you know what? I'm here for the Eucharist. I'm here for the Eucharist. And I remember that that, that was like um, a blanket phrase that I would put over every terrible mass that I've ever gone to. Oh, yeah, well, at least the gospel's the same and the Eucharist is the same. But then when you begin to immerse yourself into liturgy of the hours and you see how that is a liturgy, 
And then you go to mass and you see how using things like the antiphons and all this stuff, how that is a liturgy. Then you begin to see like, oh, oh, I have been robbed blind by how people, and I'm not even just talking about like the Latin mass, the pre-55 missile and six octaves all at once. So when you see this stuff happening and then you get in touch with the tradition of the church, the criteria has to flip in your brain between and this is this is the only way I've been able to interpret it. You guys know more than I do, which hurts me to say that out loud. About this one thing. You don't know one jack about NASCAR. Right. Um, or change. Twitch. Or Twitch. None of you can be Twitch streamers. Uh, <laughs> I make hot tubs and I get inside. Anyway, it's a thing. It's a thing. I sell the water. Um, <laughs> but just so my fans. They're very that's supportive. Unholy water. You make unholy water, <laughs> I make holy water. Uh, that's unholy water. That's oh, my gosh. The, why is my house suddenly haunted? Oh, well, another five ninety nine to Gormley. Um, <laughs> it's fifty nine ninety nine plus shipping. But, uh, no, the, <laughs> the idea is within the liturgy, you have to have this split. And the split for me came, like, how I envision the split is... There is this element. It's not about like, oh, like I think I used to say this as like conservative Gormley, which was it's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about, you know, offering worship to God. I'm taking the focus off me. It's not religious entertainment. But it still was religious entertainment because my kind of the way I interpreted what should happen at mass is was it was it enjoyable in all regards? Did they welcome me? Was it inviting? Was it the air conditioning on point? Was the music on point? Was it lame songs, old songs, stupid songs? No, latest Matt Marr, awesome. You know, Matt Marr, I'll never forget. He said to me, uh, I, I asked him, I was like, why did you write the Latin? I was happy that he wrote the Agnus Day. I said, why did you write all these Latin mass parts? He goes, well, you know, the church says that the highest form of art in the church is music. And Gregorian chant in Latin have pride of place. I was like, okay, not expecting you to say that. <laughs> and then he said, so I want to help the laity walk towards that tradition. Yeah. Unaccompanied chant is the highest form of music in the liturgy. And I just stared at him and I was like, wow, okay. So if the guy that wrote his stuff is being performed at 99% of most churches' liturgy. So anyway, the, the, the distinction came between, is liturgy something that is handed down by Christ, the apostles, and given to me by the church for me to enter into? Or is it a thing that the church uses with all these like modern bridges in order to get me to fall in love with Jesus? Because I find that in conservative circles, there's these two things. The traditional understanding of the mass and the liturgy is I am entering into the prayer of the son to the father. So I don't get to dictate. I don't get to rearrange. I don't get to alter. I don't get to screw around with. I also don't get to make more what was it, more warm more human more moist i don't get to have those things <laughs> definitely not that yeah not that not that eh, maybe that if it the chillers you. aren't working right it's houston i mean yeah. what are you gonna do it's, it's very very humid but uh the approach of the mass for so long has been well like well isn't this nice right and for me i call it the iron law of vague sentimentality that like that's all it takes in order to ruin the liturgy is like isn't this nice well it's just it's a nice thing Let's do this nice thing. But the break for me had to be, this really isn't something of my creation. It's something that I have to enter into. That's the church's creation, or not really the church, it's the Lord's, that we enter into. And so 
when that break happened, I was like, all bets are off. Like the hermeneutic of the way we interpret all of this stuff is not, hey, let's just do this, but to 11, it's what went before dictates what comes after. And if there are reforms that take away what happened before, it's always from the perspective of tradition. And once I kind of saw that thing, I was like, oh, oh, you can't go back, can you? Right? And you really can't. Okay. Well, how about this? What are some of the comments that we've gotten here at our own church? Complaints, you mean? Those. <laughs> Complaints at ap.church. Mm. Those ones. You know what's really weird about that is it just forwards right to my email address. I'm very <laughs> upset. But I'm very... at the same time, like, as we are trying to do things, because we recognize that Christ um, Christ is the one mediator between God and man, but he also he conveys himself uh, in a mediated way. So the sacraments are the means by which like he is still active and alive and like working in the world. This is why we just celebrated the solemnity of the Ascension. Whether you want to argue about whether it's on a Thursday or a Sunday, like the church thinks we really, really need to celebrate that particular solemnity because it's now Christ is, I think it was Augustine in the office of readings. He didn't go away. He, as he went away, like to the, to the heart of the Father, though he was always united with the Father, um, he's now more present, more able to reach everyone. Um, but he chose to do so by establishing the sacraments. Um, and we forget that, like, there's a reality that we are called to be in touch with, and, like, Christ is giving us the mechanisms, or rather the, uh, the not even material, um, He's giving us, again, the way in which we are to encounter. And that has been passed down, like, through the church. Um, and as well, like, even meditated upon, like, how can we um, how can we express more, or rather, how do the signs and symbols um, put us in greater contact with, with reality? Um, so that our persons, which receive things through, by, in mediated ways, can can encounter it to a greater extent and receive and be again, actively receptive to reality rather than trying to form it in our own image and likeness. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, I think uh, something we were talking about beforehand that we've all watched uh, recently. And so this is controversial on catching foxes. That's why I didn't say what it was. No, no, no. We can say it because I think it's good. People might think we're talking about Top Gun too. Uh, We are Maverick. Hello. Hello. There's still a beach scene. That's all I care about. And one person had denim, and that was Tom Cruise. That's all that matters. Same so, one he had in the 80s. Same one. Still fits still into fit those. Still at 59. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, yeah, no, I, the Mass of the Ages. Right. Uh, which is a trad thing trying to popularize the understanding of, of the traditional Latin Mass, but also how we ended up where we are now with the Novus Ordo. And for a lot of people, I think, a lot of people listen to this, they, they're so sick and tired of the liturgy wars, and I, I, I think we all are. But the problem is when you see the church not doing what the church asks, when you see it and you see how it directly goes to a lack of faith, a lack of that reciprocity. Like, that's what I was saying to someone the other day. Like, we were talking about the USCCB and the $22 million whatever for the Eucharistic Revival. Uh, going back to the reciprocity between faith and the sacraments and the sacramental economy, wonderful document with a great name. They should have given it a name like, like, like enfleshment and then put that underneath <laughs> it, right? Like something, the incarnation, right? And then underneath it say 
the faith and the reciprocity <laughs> and the hoo ha. But that's the whole document. Yeah, I don't know. Some some hip, some, something that yeah. some we haven't heard yet. Yeah, Come yeah. On. The purple, the purple experience. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, you're gonna have to read this to find out. You open it up, you're like, oh, this is a dense theological document. <laughs> purple. Um, but the orange theory. The uh, the experience of that is when you when you. I'm just gonna say, when you f up with the symbols, when you mess around with all these things, and then you start throwing in stuff that has nothing to do with it, but it makes feel good. Then when people get used to the makes it feel good part, and you begin to pull those out, or even even keep them in there, you start adding the stuff that should have been there the whole time. People just lose their minds, right? They lose mm-hmm. their minds, and it's like pure rage, pure rage. And to mask the ages does an excellent job. Episode two. I haven't finished episode one. Me and Luke started to talk about it. Luke started screaming. Uh, I think he cussed me out. I cussed him out. And then that was, it was a great show. It was and a great show. Left it, didn't, and then I watched the, that was before either of us had even watched the show. So I watched the first like five minutes and I was like, Luke, if you were to make a movie on the mask, this is how you would have done it. They open up with all the comedians. That's like Luke's favorite comedians. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, anywho, the, the, like, it kills me to see what we're missing. And my wife, not a liturgical bone in her body. She doesn't even attend mass. Just kidding. No. No, she's communion services. Commun- uh, <laughs> she only she, goes to liturgies yeah. of the word. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's weird. I don't even wear she's how does she find scripture them? though. That's yeah. good. God bless her. She's all about that Bible. Um, but she, you know, she's not like into this stuff as much as as I am, and I'm not as much as either of you. But she was watching that video and she was like like we're missing so much so much has been taken away in the name of reaching modern man did we do it let me check 70 people percent of people don't believe in the real presence of christ in the eucharist uh we failed well and kind of like we talked about a few episodes ago i i think unfortunately what it has what it has bred is this right that that notion of the liturgical historicism right where we we can't it's so in a certain respect, um, you know, I thought about this after reading the Times article on the Amish, on the Amish. Uh, yeah, oh which was gosh. great, which was really it, it was very insightful in, in that uh, in, in what it was saying. But, I mean, you experience this pre-modern community. If you were if, if we were to just go and, and spend a day with the Amish or spend a few hours with the Amish, we would almost be we would be deeply perplexed, confused by their way of life is how, how do you, you don't even know what to formulate other than like, I just, I don't get this. I don't understand. I mean, you might even be able to say there's, there's something, you know, there's something very beautiful about this, but I just can't, I don't, yeah. I can't do that. Like, I don't know what this is. Those men's haircuts are dumb. Yeah. There's Jedediah. Have you seen their haircuts? It's just long and then they just cut it. It's like yeah. a mob. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. They're not manly haircuts, man. They are it's German not, haircuts from the 1620s. It's not something that you get at tune-up. I'll no. just say that. That's a manly salon. Yeah, exactly. They'll shave stuff. But Like the I think, side of your head. Yeah. I think the analog, though, is to, if you were to see what you might call something like a traditional or, or a pre-modern type of liturgy, it, it feels very much the same where you have entered into a world which seems to be something you could only read about in a book or, or maybe something you could only create in your head. And you, and, and you think, but people, people still do this. People still, people still go to uh, a, a service for three hours or two and a half hours. That just, I, 
I mean, maybe there's elements of that that are beautiful, but there, there's there's a such a historical disconnect that it's very difficult to perceive how something like that a still exists, but then b how it would be attractive. Um, and and so I, that that's that's the 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 most significant uh, socio psychological challenge with respect to you're such a professor. I know. I'm, you I'm said ju- socio psychological, right? Because it's both social and it's psychological. Oh, that's what those words mean. Yes, or ah. I could have said socio historical with respect to liberalism. What is what is liturgical historicism? Because you love that word ever since you wrote that essay. Oh, we already defined it. So we sh- you should just put a link into the episode from. <laughs> I was like, which pad is he going to hit? I don't know. I don't know. How about this one? Oh, oh. here comes the professor. <laughs> Time to take a nap. <laughs> don't judge me, Father David. But what what it's interesting about that is you're talking about the what were the words used? Socio psychological. Yeah. Um, is that. There is something. I mean, there might still be people, and it, I think it's going to depend on particular when you're formed. But even then, we still see in our parish, because you were talking about complaints. Oh, but we still get, I get plenty of people who come up to me and are so happy yeah. with many of the things that we're doing, which yep. all we're doing, by the way, is just like slowly, incrementally trying to like do mystagogical catechesis, which just means... <laughs> slowly to you. <laughs> yes, I understand. Um but honestly, this is why I keep telling people, like, just go read the documents and you're going to see how much more, like, we have technically to do. And all- then they go and the only document they read is Concilium from 1964. Of course. Oh, this is lovely. This is to be reprobated. This is to be emancipated. This is to be proclamated. Forbid- <laughs> what do they say? Repressed. Repressed. Yeah, yeah this is repressed. repressed. Alters with the, you know, is to be repressed. I remember reading that. That was the most shocking. Do- that and Pope Paul VI, those two documents. Paul VI in November 27th of 69, right mm-hmm. before the new mass went public in Italy, and Concilium 1964. Those are the two most shocking. Is it the inter yeah. yeah. Most shocking documents I've ever read. Because it's just like, screw, like 1964. Sacrosanctum Concilium comes out, what, 62? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it felt like those guys were like, ha, 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 screw that. And then just a <laughs> list of things, and you're just like broad sweeping changes. Which is what Mass of Ages episode two is all about. Like, yeah. how did we get there? Yeah, and that's from the Latin and Mass. part of that whole community's argument is that okay, those are disciplines that are changing, and that's not even technically part of the council. So, um, like, which is how they get away with it. Which is how they get away with it. But it's also too like, can we just have a, a civil, like, philosophical and theological discussion about has this actually helped? Now, the problem that you have with that is that. You haven't even, as I have to talk about, when, when there are people that have complaints and go like, uh, th- if this is the direction the church is going, like, I don't want to be a part of it. And and I'm like, we're, you haven't even still, none of us have even experienced <laughs> what, if you just want to talk about the Concilium Mass, like the 1969 like Mass, no one has really ever experienced it. Because we're, we're just still not, it just hasn't been realized. Like, priests haven't done it. We haven't, yeah. And so because you have it, you can't even... There's not like all that much room to complain about like the mass as these little things that were changing because you haven't yeah again we haven't encountered it so what, sorry, what, yeah. what my train of thought yeah no what <laughs> it is true people do I I will give it to you people have come out of the woodwork and praised the small changes that we've made which is very edifying because I'm I'm always ready for like the wave of hate to come and it certainly has come 
but then people walking up and just giving you a check to be like, get new vestments. Because yep. your vestments don't look like any vestments I've seen in a priest. Yep. Most vestments, uh, they got a couple stains on them. Uh, they're vaguely... They're sentimental. Like gray, they're vaguely sentimental. But they're vaguely the color. Usually a gradient of some sort. Um, That's just a, a remnant of the iconoclasm that happened like after the after the... The council, which was just this like hyper simplification, minimalistic sort of effort. We were talking about this in regards to confession. I mean, that's where it's coming from. Yeah. Is this not understanding what the sacraments are? Ignoble simplicity. <laughs> yeah, an ignoble. Yeah. Um what well, but the thing was is and even Carstens talks about this in the book, like the principles of sacred liturgy. Like the noble simplicity one it's supposed to technically talk about like architecture which the critique there is like someplace like god love it but like annunciation downtown like it has two saint anthony of padua statues in the sanctuary why there's only <laughs> one saint anthony of padua like we don't need two statues there. there's a so, i'm the portuguese one <laughs> i'm the italian one it's by location. But, it's, it, but it is asking for this simplicity so you can know the reality that's the concept is the knowable like it's this that's the that's where it's getting this concept of noble simplicity. So you may know the reality more, more deeply through, again, the way that the signs are. Not, not hyper, uh, not having like way too much there that then clutters the capacity to know the reality. I feel like you're saying that they need a third St. Anthony. <laughs> Obviously, Trinitarian. Like this Hello. Is Hello. So, yeah, I mean, what Mass of the Ages seems to be trying to do is, is, is help people understand that there's, one, there was some things that happened. There's historical issues with. <laughs> some things happened. Keeping it vague, like me in confession. Yeah. Uh, things happened. Words were said. Things, uh, things were written down. And now sins people are were committed. Sins were committed. Absolved uh, yeah. I um, may have sinned against the fifth commandment. Gormley, again with murder. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of it all is Bugnini goes to Tehran. <laughs> That's yeah. how in his career, lying. <laughs> goes, well, uh, good day, sir. I'll be in Tehran. If you need me, uh, I'll be in the U.S. Embassy. Whoopsie. Okay. It was either there or the Bishop of Cleveland. <laughs> oh, I'll take Tehran. Damn it, Tehran, please. Yeah. yeah, I take my chances. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what I was saying. Um, basically, what I was, I, one of the things I think I was going to say was something to the extent of um, we, yes, there were change. If you want to talk about, okay, the liturgy needed to be the liturgical. This is the hard part. It's, it, there was a and it goes into the two different mindsets you were talking about in regards to liturgy. The one was this notion of if we change things, like it will help modern man go there. But even like Guardini, who's happening like a hundred years before it, roughly is saying like he's not even sure modern man can like worship anymore um, because he just can't even get signs and symbols. I mean, you've experienced this with um, uh, with the youth ministry and stuff. You can mention Adam and Eve and these kids don't even know who Adam and Eve are. Yeah. They don't know who Noah is. Like they have, they are so disconnected. So from the, from Christianity, so disconnected that they are just secular. They are of the world. And so now the thing is, is can the, the modern man who is so of the world, so infected by it, like, can it, uh, even move from the profane to the sacred. And while we might try to simplify some of the sacred elements um, that are supposed to bring us into contact or help us to encounter and receive the reality in which we're entering into, that is the liturgy, like the love of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, already eternally like engaged. Yeah, I mean, the, then now the proof's in the pudding, like in terms of if we're, if we're looking at like what, what has happened. We've tried to do these things. Um, we've tried to, there's... Again, that goes back to the 
some people, what people experience is different what the, not only the council gave us, which is the 1965 missile, but the 1969 missile, which people get up in arms out when we actually try to move closer and closer to it. Like, nobody's even experienced yet. What like haven't we fullness. experienced? Um, okay, so how music is supposed, like, you were talking about liturgical music, like, we haven't experienced that, and it's the treasure of inestimable value. Most parishes have not experienced Gregorian chant. They haven't, like, there's a way in which things are supposed to be chanted, an order in which, so as to show uh, solemnity. Most people haven't experienced, like, uh, silence, which is called for within the Mass. Most of the time, it's just filled with noise. We're trying to cover the liturgical movement, um, but the church says silence is an integral part as well to be able to meditate like upon the word of God after each of the the readings to be able to meditate upon like what God is doing and offer one's heart to the Lord to be able to meditate upon the fact that you are communing with God right now like that's necessary and even it's all calls for time of silence in the church before like mass begins and as well there should be like a silence afterwards to continue to give thanks to God um but I mean that's where you just have to open up that's why I constantly point people when they get mad about something like how about let's just go read Sacrosanct of Gachilium? How about let's just go read the general structure of the Roman Missal? Because you're getting mad at me, and I'm just trying to be obedient. And, like, I took a vow for that. That's a pretty big deal to me. And, yeah, so let's just let's just go see if it's really, like, your lived experience that might be in error, or if it's, yeah, and let's just go look at what the church has, what she's trying to give us, and what we arguably need to be moving back towards. And these are similar words. Yeah, sorry. Well, and I think part a big part of that too is the the criticism of well, if if the what Father David said, if the church, if the parish is moving in a particular direction, and then I'm I don't want to be a part of that. I mean, criticisms of anything generally do not stem from that thing that you're criticizing being a, like a modus vivendi, right? It's it, it, uh, I went to that liturgy once. I did not like that. Well. You know that that would be like if you're eating really crappy food and then you go to a restaurant that makes you know the steak almost looks purple, but it's like the highest quality meat you could imagine. You might eat that and be like, "Oh, that wasn't that didn't taste yeah. very good." So again, it goes back to the very things that you've talked about before, Mike: the education of desires and and even that that Guardini point about can modern man even worship? Yeah, I mean, even you know. Paul that was VI, a really big thing for Guardini. Yeah, and Paul the Sixth makes this point of that it's it's a, a modern liturgy for a for a modern peoples, right? And and so it's uh, but the, but the question is is by doing that does it it's not even necessarily conceived of as a as a gateway to something higher? Yeah, it, it's it's already a kind of a lowering of the sights. If yeah, you will. so it, it it's departing from, like, you could say that the Latin Mass is all about the transcendent. The priest is there in the Holy of Holies engaging in the mysteries, and we are a part of it, to then, well, the reason, but th- this is the one problem I had with uh, Mass of the Ages. One, everything Michael Knowles said, I, I just, I don't like that guy. Okay, it's not that I don't like the guy. I don't really care. Well, I mean, come on. It's like, come on. Uh, Why do they call it the council? There's been a lot of councils. Because it was the last council, Michael. It was the last one. Yes, but it's, I mean, it's, yes, it's proximately, but what about the remote ones? (laughs) Uh, This isn't even remotely a good point. Why was this left? What about the Council of Orange in 392? (laughs) Gee golly. Uh, What about Second Nicaea? 
Um, <laughs> no, but I think about one of the things that he talks about is, well, we had all these upheavals after the council. That's the fruit. And it's like, the reason why they, one of the major reasons why they called the council is because of mass apostasy in Europe. So this mass apostasy, like they, less than 10% of French Catholics were going to mass on any given Sunday in 1890. Okay, 1860, 1870. So this isn't a just a Latin Mass or 1955 Missal or whatever. This isn't just about intervention of Pope Pius XII or Paul VI or whatever. This stuff has predated. So the fathers had hoped, and I think there is, and this is what the, the Mass of the Ages, I think, did a good part in. They said the fathers hoped, I think it was Dom Alcuin Reed said, that the part, the more active participation of the laity in the liturgy, uh, in terms of actual having responses and things, um, would draw them into it more. But it didn't. Like, and and that's true. It didn't. People who go through the mass. I mean, uh, Doctor uh, Peter Kwiatkowski had the great line <laughs> where he said, "There's no silence at any part in the mass." You can literally go the whole mass without having prayed once. Yeah. So this is this yeah. though is that's what I've been trying to articulate. And I'm sorry, but doing it poorly is that. So they were, and I'm still doing it poorly. Um, is it? Do you want another might, Michelob Ultra? <laughs> um, is that yes? Can you have that encounter where there's no silence? Yes, and that's not called for by the mass. And so this is where, like, yes. So you're saying. People can experience Christ in the midst of the noise, but that's not what the mass is actually saying do. Is that what you just said? Yes, you can yeah. experience Christ in the midst of the noise, but the church does call for times of silence. I think the problem is, is that, and this is what we saw with the, I would argue, revolutions that happened after the council, where is that you didn't see the mass as it was actually supposed to be celebrated. We, that's what I'm just saying. We, we, nobody's seen the germ fully like actualize the general instruction on the Roman Missal that's at the front of our uh, Roman Missals that we have. The priests are all supposed to be like trying to make real. And, and so they saw whatever, the altar rails ripped out. They saw like recovations in regards to various things. They saw all sorts of liturgical abuses, which JP2, Benedict, they're all having to deal with as in the aftermath. A lot of people, and and this goes into your like Brian, like people were formed by this. And this is where like emotions, passions, things like that are erupting because they had legitimately good like encounters. They had encounters with Christ. They had things that moved them. Yeah. They had, because God can work through all the noise. God can work through our mess. Welcome to salvation history. He works in the midst of all of our mess. Um, he would even use our mess. Like, oh, happy fault that we say at Easter, like, because it gave us so great, so glorious a redeemer. I say that about Brian at the office. <laughs> the rebuttal against people like Kwasniewski is that they often are using a straw man argument because while we've seen things a certain way, again, it's still not what the church calls. And so we need to be trying to help people, like the active participation. They had hoped, and it does say this in the general instruction, it says in Sacrosanctum Cachillion, that by doing these, giving people their voice in the midst of the bridegroom speaking to his bride or the, the mystical body of Christ speaking to the Father, that this will help them enter in more deeply. And something that's missed is that two things, is that, one liturgical catechesis was definitely called for, and we got none of it. None. Like people, just priests went back to their parish. Said, this is what the Vatican, Second Vatican Council said to do. They started doing things, doing crazy things, experimental stuff, which also shows us this didn't come out of nowhere. 
This is when mm. the new liturgical movement is happening. Um, like there are two different schools. It's a whole nother talk for yeah. like another time. Um, but so revolution came because it was just, it was a time of revolution and it was right for it. And people didn't have like documents. While we're seeing this resurgence in people talking about not only the extraordinary form of the mass, but as well, even just the, the Nova Sordo is because now we have access to documents. And, and so there was supposed to be liturgical catechesis, and we were supposed to actually celebrate this Mass a particular way. But because people haven't seen it, they can't see, we can't actually see the fruits of it right now. I think if we did greater liturgical catechesis and we help people from this knowledge of something, because Aquinas says you can't love what you don't know, if you know it a little bit more, then you can begin to sub- subject yourself and allow your, your, yourself to be conformed to it through, again, the Benedict XVI talks about the, the, the catechesis. That's the, I think it's like the actuo or something like by literally living it, then it can conform you. Then you can pray a bit more, but we, we haven't lived it. And so that's going to be the challenge in this next like 40 years or whatever. They always say it takes like a hundred years for a council we realize or something like that. Um, So you would say that sacrosanctum concilium hasn't been tried and found wanting, but it's been found annoying and left untried. (laughs) Yes, basically that G.K. Chesterton quote. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't It hasn't been. Brian, your rebuttal. And I remind you, you are under oath. Said Contra. Because <laughs> you take a more Kwasniewski line that the Novus Ordo is a hopeless bag of dirt and should be thrown out uh, at the nearest <laughs> gas station bathroom. As the I liturgist said, of our parish. I said <laughs> in Bucky's, though. Which is honorable. Right, the best bathroom. I mean, you should eat in the bathroom. I can and do. You want to talk about... I take a brisket sandwich. I go into the bathroom. Yep. I call Chris Miller. I eat the brisket sandwich. (laughs) You want to talk about a lived experience. (laughs) There it is. Actually, just to jump off and give you... So, you had spoken of... What part of that comment about that interchange are you jumping off from? I'm ADD. No, about that. I want to say something. Brisket brisket in a Bucky's bathroom. Back alley. Quick so question. So bathrooms, you're talking about lesser bathrooms and greater <laughs> bathrooms. Uh, no, it, it's it's basically like you were saying there's, there's uh, I think you said something to the extent of the Nova Sordo doesn't call us to the transcendent. It's not calling us as high. It's it's more focused on. Yeah. Um, and I think this is what Benedict XVI was so, trying to do with the Samorum Pontificum and that they would um, mutually mutual enrich rich, each other. Mutual yeah. richment. Um, and why he said, too, it had never been abrogated. It had never been repressed. Yeah. Is that perhaps this is the higher, like, form. It's the authentic, again, or, organically developed um, uh, uh, liturgical celebration you know, handed down to us. But we're having to try, or at least they're hoping to create a new... Um, uh, celebration of the liturgy where modern man can enter into. And I would think Benedict maybe would say so that they can get to this, like it Mm. could be a stepping stone to get to something that if we can talk philosophically and theologically might have a greater way uh, is more disposed to man surrendering himself and um, entering into the sacrifice on a a deeper level. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, we've talked with the three of us have talked about the, the conditions that would be required for this experience and this reality of the liturgy being what it ought to, uh, it certainly can happen, and we we know of places where where it is. But it's interesting that while we don't know all of those parishes, uh, we I think it's I think it's a common theme that you those parishes that have 
an ordinary form liturgy that is celebrated in a way that almost looks different in kind from your average parish is probably because they also celebrate the traditional Latin Mass. So there, so I think practically on the ground, it can happen, and this mutual enrichment does actually take place where those things coincide together. And again, we've we've mentioned place like St. John Cantus, right, where it's they're, they're, the ordinary form looks like, in many respects, uh, some kind of simpler, simpler expression of the traditional Latin Mass. But they still have, even in the ordinary form, they still have Latin Mass parts, but all of those things that are called for are present. And so there's not this tremendous uh, sort of uh, void between the two expressions right but it's 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 kind of you you could go to the traditional latin mass or the ordinary form at a parish like that and and experience in many ways this this fact that they seem to be very similar to each other but that but again the challenge is if you take away the latin mass you, you what, what is it that's how is this enrichment occurring um, and and it's it's kind of this question of is it coming from within its own resources or does it require something outside of itself to be enriched? I think that's that is the question. I think that kind of is maybe more implicit in the second uh, episode of the the Mass of the Ages. Is um, I thought I only thought about that because of what I was reading today with the the liberalism thing from David Levy. Is is whether or not can liberalism right be uh, draw from its own resources as a kind of restoration, or does it require some pre-liberal? Yeah. And and so I think there is an analog there with the with the forms. So you guys think about this on such a high level. What I think about <clears throat> when I go to mass is I walk in there and I'm like, oh, this sucks, right? Oh, this sucks. Like what sucks? Like they obviously don't care. They're not sure. praying. They're just saying a bunch of words. There's no Roman sobriety. Right, I mean, there's no sobriety in this room, but in at mass, <laughs> where's the Roman sobriety? English sobriety here. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, the prayers um, seem to be prayed to the people, yeah, and not to the Lord. And I didn't notice that until you wrote a very lengthy email wherein the phrase Roman sobriety, talking about Lord of Mercy, Christ of Mercy, Lord of Mercy, and I laughed my butt off. <laughs> And I'm like, Father David is complaining. What the heck is Roman sobriety? And I thought that was the funniest thing. And then I walked into Brian to make fun of you. Mm-hmm. And Brian, he just went off and he's like, and he demonstrated the two different modes as a joke, doing a dead on impersonation, Thank by you. the way. Thank you. I appreciate and it. I sat Not there and went, David. and I just sat there and went, oh my goodness, that's exactly what. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. It's this intangible understanding of, like, there is a difference between a perf- a mass, and we're all, I'm still talking about the Novus Ordo here. The mass done as performance is the mass done as prayer, yeah. right? And I feel like the majority of the times yeah. it's a performance. Mm-hmm. Not that the priest is consciously thinking, like, I'm going to wow them today. Even though there are priests who have it could be the, thinking the that, talk of the Sunday experience and all that sort of stuff, yeah, and there is those who are trying to do that. But he, and and it was interesting too because we've we, the three of us have talked about this all the time, mm-hmm. where the the God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Go on, where the video clips 
in the Mass of the Ages, the, yeah. where they hit yeah. pause and play. Yeah. And you see, they, they just showed, like, the introductory, right? And it, and again, it's it's the two radically different expressions of what appeared to be the same right. Yeah. And, and you just, it, 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 yeah, it isn't, the, it isn't the theological speculation. It's when you see that, you go, huh, that, wow, that looks very different. Yeah, and be- you can have people zone it. Well, what what struck you? Well, those vestments. So that was different. Uh, well, he was he. They weren't facing us, right? Those kinds of things are. Yeah. That's what most people in most of the history are attentive to. Not the. Why are so many traditionalists assholes? <laughs> Especially the priests. Why? Well, this was a turn. Uh, it yeah. was, but this is what everyone's thinking. Um, I just have the courage. I don't know if you've lived this, though, as a modus vivendi. I mean, have you... Is this just something you're hearing? Oh, no, this so is definitely no, something kidding. I've no, experienced in the com boxes of Ketra yeah, Well, I mean, I, yeah. We were the called com cucks. Boxes. We were called cucks by traditionalists. You guys are cucks. I'm going to listen to Taylor Marshall. Direct quote. C-U-C-K-S? Yes. If it was the other way of spelling like a, it, I'd be totally fine with it. What's a cuck? I don't what, know you that. don't know what a cuck is? No. Oh, my gosh. A cuck old... Oh. I've heard of a couple. So older. that Milo guy, Thank Milo, you, Philip, you know, the crazy. Yilapalonymous. That's it. He made this super popular and the alt-right, like, loves it. To call someone a cuck. A cuckold is someone whose wife basically owns the husband by having sex with other men, at, like having affairs, and, the, and he just has to deal with it because he's such. Modern words like simp are uh, somewhat derivative from this. Gosh, I wish I was more. You just gotta, versed. you just gotta watch Twitch streamers, Twitch okay. streamers. No, no. So uh, a cuck. That's what. Oh, you're just a cuck. Means you're a weak man who mm. lets other men do whatever they want with your wife, and your wife rubs your face and that kind of thing. And so people called us that. And literally, the person said it was a review on iTunes, which is hysterical <laughs> that this lives on. That this was. You're not representing authentic Christianity. You're a cuck. You cucks. I'm going to go listen to Taylor Marshall. Dr. Taylor Marshall, PhD. Uh, MD. MDiv. I don't know. Um, MDiv. So the first episode of Mass of the Ages is trying to show that not everybody is just, like, angry. That's yeah. it's kind of like an, a bit of an emotional appeal. It's still a good episode. Well, so Fountains to, with Carrots, mm-hmm. uh, the podcast, uh, they did a wonderful job illustrating that most traditional list people are not mad trads as scott Hahn says they are glad trads as only scott Hahn could say but there are a lot of priests especially novus ordo diocesan priests who want to be more traditional that are just jerks you're not a jerk but there's so many who are jerks yeah i mean i think it somewhat goes back to even the anger you've had when you're as you're learning more the yeah. more you know like yeah. that you just get angry because you because what? What is anger as a response to a perceived injustice? And if there is actually an injustice there, then anger is the right response. The question is: Is can it also be like? Can you, as you try to deal with the anger with other people or whatever, can you be charitable in communicating the content? That's unfortunately where sometimes they can very much lack. And yeah, so that's a virtue they're going to need to like grow in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think some of it's coming out is, is the more people are reading, the more people are understanding things, the more they see what they um, have been robbed of. I know at a certain point in time, like, cause again, I, my background, I've, I've been singing since like kindergarten and at mass. And so, and, and I've done, I mean, we've sang lots of things in church and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have a lot of purgatory time. Um, 
but like as I as I read, God's going to be like, Father, we stand seriously at Comer's wedding. No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> but um, and then God, the Holy Spirit's going to be like, but I love that song. God, the Father's like you. Oh, wait, the wills are perfectly united. Oh, yeah. Um, but so then I'm reading like documents of the church and I'm like, why have I never heard this before? Like, I've ne- again, never encountered this. Never heard some priest talk to me about this, and uh, and it just it hey, blows David, your mind. And then let's have a conversation about sacrosanctum continuum. Yeah, but yeah. The, and then this cognitive dissonance exists, and then you just you get mad. Like why 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 has this been why, held back for me? Why have I not encountered this? If this is what the Sacrovenic Council was about and trying to give us this sort the of what stuff, the Sacrovenic? Yeah, whatever. I is guess. this, is this what the Sacrovenic were about? Confession. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No. If this is what the Second Vatican Council was about, why haven't we gotten it? Yeah. And so I because think people- I I believe there were three. Everyone always says there were two groups of Vatican II, right? There were three groups. Okay. Group one, the progressives, the spirit of Vatican II folks, right? Number two, Novelle theology, the JP twos, the Benedicts. Number three, old school scholastic, neo scholastics, whatever. Now we talk about them only insofar as we talk about in conservative circles the battles, the intellectual battles between the Novel theology and the neo-scholastics. But then we don't talk about the neo-scholastics really ever again. But it's in the liturgical wars and the understanding of sacrosanctum concilium that I think the progressives were using, what, what do you call it, weaponized ambiguity? Like, they were they were deliberately trying to be, like, sound very conservative. Oh, yes, pride of place, all this stuff. But in reality, they were just waiting Waiting to implement the vagues and the and the yeah, spirit you get of Vatican that in the too. second episode. Yeah, right. Where and Bunini's, this is and in, in Eve's Chiron's like biography yeah. of him. Like, no, no, that was specifically. Done. Yeah, and it was vague. it was incredible. It was incredible. But I think right now what we're witnessing in the trad movement is the revenge of the neo scholastics, like that third school that was like marginalized even by the JP two Benedict whatever crowd. They're like, you know what, we're back. And we St. Thomas Aquinas is coming with us, you know, and it's it's just like full on, right? Like, doesn't it feel that way? Like, there's the liberals, the conservatives, and the traditionalists, right? And you kind of have these categories, and the traditional, the conservatives can get along with traditionalists, and the conservatives can, you know, kind of rein in the progressive. Progressives can't get along with anyone except themselves, and the traditionalists can't get along with anyone except themselves often the conservatives can kind of be like a middle ground but that's what makes them a little mushy a little mushy no did I, this is going nowhere on your faces you guys don't <laughs> give a crap about what i'm saying i'm into this i want this is that what, is no, that what i'm supposed to say no this this episode is tanking father david save us tell us someone's sin and confession hey <laughs> <laughs> get excommunicated great um <laughs> have you ever known someone that got excommunicated that be... for sharing a sin have I known someone? Yeah. No. How how does a priest get excommunicated? Like, like one day I was talking to this guy and he confessed bestiality at his first confession. And this guy's like, oh, it was his first confession. <laughs> Father yeah. David was my first uh, confession. He's the first one I ever confessed bestiality to. Whoopsie. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Whoopsie daisy. That's funny. So That is a, a, a story. Have you ever heard that story? No. So the guy said, so hometown boy becomes a priest. Goes to a first parish penance service. Parish penance service, no one would come to him because they all know him. And yeah. they're embarrassed to go to their friend, right? Like I am with you. And uh, it's more of a body positivity thing. But uh, so <laughs> they, they, no one goes. So he gets out of his confession and goes into the pulpit. And he says, listen, you need to come to confession to me. I didn't come here just to hang out in the room by myself. 
Like, come on. There's nothing you can say that'll horrify me. I've been a priest for six months. I've heard it all. In fact, the first confession I ever heard, right, was someone confessed bestiality. So, I mean, if, if you have a sin less than bestiality, then don't be, you know, don't be worried. If it's more than that, then okay. But if it's less, and so it like kind of, okay. And then his line was full all night and they had a reception for him in the parish hall afterwards. And there was a guy that showed up. who was a buddy of his who wasn't there for the penance <laughs> service. Oh, and he's like, that- you know, I'm the first person he ever heard oh. his confession. Puts his arm around him. It puts his arm around like- him. Like everyone's just sitting there and they hold him, <sighs> give him an alcohol wipe. <laughs> yeah, that's why basically they say never even talk about stuff that goes on in confession. I mean, you can say like, oh, gossip, yeah, because everybody confesses like gossip, basically, especially those six people today. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. No, so <laughs> yep. Um, what were we talking about before? What you sucks about marriage? Three. What do you want to? I do. Yeah. I mean, in a certain sense, everything we've talked about. I mean. You could at least bring back to we were talking about in confession the art of celebrating that sacrament well. We also don't celebrate mass well. We don't celebrate it in conformity with the tradition, and so priests need to rediscover um, the tradition in terms of like what the saints would tell us in regards to celebrating the sacrament of reconciliation well. What how to celebrate the mass well? Because if you're ever going to do it well, that's going to connect people with the actual reality that like that the church and Christ is trying to connect them with, it's going to be looking at what came before so that we can, when we have the, the new rubrics in front of us, and the Cardinal says this all the time. He's like, brothers, like, there's not as many rubrics as there used to be. So, like, do the red, or, yeah, credit, I'm messing it up. Say the black. Say the red. No. Nah. Say the black, do the red. Do the say red. the black. Yeah. Yeah, do the red, say the black. Um, and so, like, but you got to know still how to do some of that stuff. Like even we were dealing with some of the the, um, the deacon candidates, and they're like, where do you learn how to incense? I'm like, you're not going to find it in the general instructional room missile. Mm-hmm. you got to go back to an old ceremonials book that tells you how to incense. So you have to go yep. to the tradition always to learn mm-hmm. how you're going to do something. And then you're going to be good at that art. Art is not, like, subjective. I, beauty is not in the eye of the beholder. The church has given us, um, like, a way in which she thinks reality is to be encountered best. And so we need to go look at that, especially if we want to say we trust the church. Um, and so, it, but it really does come down to the art of celebrate. Even it's marriages too. Like I don't do, and now I now pronounce you husband and wife, or you may now kiss the bride or now presenting whatever at the end of mass. No, the church doesn't tell me to do that. I'm not going to do it. I realize it's outside the liturgy because I've given the final blessing, but their last command, which also it was to like go and um, go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Your vocation is to go glorify the Lord and because you are a little icon of the Trinity. So go do that. Like go now into the world. Like go on your new procession as a new like sacramental reality. Go out there. You can do the like the kiss at your reception. You can also still kiss her too. Most of the time they do. And I'm not like super angry or anything like that. But no, no kissing. No kissing. Karate chop right in between them. And so they cannot kiss. Um, <laughs> karate chop elbow. But I mean, we, we should just, I would argue we should celebrate, like, again, look to all the sacraments. How do we celebrate them well? So as to help connect people with the reality that's actually going on there. Yeah. To be experienced. And so do the red, say the black. And yeah. what's but the, what's the thing that annoys you the most about weddings? That's so common in the Catholic church. Uh, that it just becomes a, like a talk praising the couple when the mm-hmm. church clearly defines the things that must be in that homily. 
Um, I'd have to go look it up right now. But anyway, I mean, it's basically like what is the 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 theology of marriage, the dignity of conjugal love, the duties of a husband and wife, like all these things are supposed to be talked of in, in that homily. And so it becomes a prime opportunity to call people back to, to understand the beauty, again, the beauty of marriage, what it is, and, um, and how important it is. Because even, even within the, the intercessions that are there, the intercessions talk about how, or maybe it's the final blessing, I'm forgetting the, 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 the solemn blessing for them, is like, may those you are charitable to like welcome you into paradise one day because your love basically it's trying to give this little like theology of explanation of again what marriage is that it is an icon of the trinity you as the trinity is constantly loving us so too you are supposed to show forth the love of the trinity in the world and so as people encounter that as they receive the love of god through you because you are a mediator in a certain sense of god's love like that they may one day welcome you home into paradise and so that's why again i i, I would prefer than like my couples just go forth like glorifying the Lord by your life. And they say, thanks be to God. Like, this is what we've entered into. We have, we have a new mission. We have a state in life, a vocation God has called us to. Um, and like, we're going to go do that. Has right anyone now. ever got mad at you for not saying? Uh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, I now present to you, Mr. and Mrs. Wendell Berry. You may now kiss the bride. No, I mean, I, my last meeting with them, I mean, usually earlier on, especially like my last parish, when I, I met with the couples many, many times uh, to form them, I, I'm going to talk about liturgy pretty early on because yeah. as they're anticipating. I think everyone listening to this would get that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, too, I'm going to point that out at the last one. So remember, like, I'm not going to say I now pronounce you husband and wife. I'm not going to say and now for the first time ever. Mr. and Mrs., whatever. Like, that's what a DJ does at your reception. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> Hit it. Um, Everybody cross-clap your hands. Clap, 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 clap. Cross-forward, clap, 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 clap. No, I mean, if they are getting mad at me, they're, they're not telling me. Um, but, no, most of them, once they're I've explained things, yeah, once I've, again, done some liturgical, mystagogical catechesis, they seem to get it. Um, and so... Same with like when you you're explain the bride of different... Christ, you're prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is Revelation 21. <laughs> this yep. is the wedding feast of the Lamb. You're participating in it. It's beautiful. It's like an epiphany, but not like the first epiphany, more like a third epiphany. It's very beautiful. It's epiphany of water. That's what it's like when the amniotic fluid breaks. It's, it's, it's matrimonial. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exercising. It cleans. It cleanses. <laughs> it, it drives out demons. But also at the same time, you know what? It's Trinitarian. And they're like, uh, they're like, uh, this is the first meeting. <laughs> yeah. What's the second meeting going to be like? Literally just the same thing. I'm going to say, but I'm going to be louder. <laughs> can, we, yeah. can we not meet with Gormley? Can we go with someone else? Nope. It's beautiful. It's spiritual. You're, you're, you're like, I'm saying like in the documents. Well, that's my funny, impression of you. Is that, did I get it? Did I get me? it? Yeah. Well, well he always, so. I definitely no. say too much. Well, he does. He always says the amniotic fluid thing. Yeah. That's a go-to. It's I'm always, surprised you didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> what about celebrating funerals? What's the best and worst of funerals? I was going to say this. No, I was going to say it's the same thing. It, it, like the analog, the two mirror each other where. Absolutely. It's so fat. And I'm speaking for Father David. This may not be true in his experience, but uh, just working with people, how. It's not always the case. It's usually the case that a list of demands come forward. Because you do funerals for everyone listening. You are the funeral guy at our parish. Right. Yeah. You're uh, kind of like an undertaker. Right. The, uh, the great thing about doing funerals is everyone that works for you is underneath you. Come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Uh, I, I hope that gets in the final final cut. It um, will. You're a pretty least, popular guy. I mean, people are just dying to get in here. But yeah, I, I think it, it's in, and it isn't just that, that was good. Uh, and it is, and there's the the natural element of like not having gone through this thing, whether it's marriage preparation or 
doing the funeral preparation, they haven't gone through it. So there's an element of uncertainty, anxiousness, certainly with funerals, the grieving, right? So you, you could also obviously get the other end and they don't even know what to ask because there's, they're, they're, they're suffering. And so they just said, you, you, you do get those people who say, you tell me what I need to do, but it's really this, you see the, the, uh, you know, I, I want this person to read. Um, are they Catholic? No. Okay. Uh, I want this person, I want these three people to give a eulogy. Um, I, I want this person to play this music. I want them to do it at this time. Can we do this song? It wasn't on the hymn list. And the, the, he How do you loved, deal with that? How do you deal with He that? loved this reading, the scripture verse. It's not in here. Uh, it's actually from the Book of Mormon, but it was very powerful. It's very powerful. It does mention Jesus. Actually, it was in an appendix. Never mind. Yeah, I mean, you just you have to be very upfront with them and, and just tell them, like, well, that's not in the right. And so this is actually you being subsumed under what the church is, is telling you that you— that that is actually the highest and best thing for your loved one, right? Is we're going to celebrate the, the funeral mass is going to be offered for the repose of their soul, and these things are required as part of the you know the funeral liturgy. And so um, you don't get to choose the readings, whichever ones you want. You don't get to read a poem. You don't get to have a sort of uh, uh, a kind of canonization you know, thing, but it, it's, but bec- the conditions are such that it makes it so, uh, I don't want to say so easy, but it, it, it seems to happen commonly where that, they, they seem to think that that's this, this, even just the terms used, like we talked about in two episodes ago or three, where it's like, even the terms used without even knowing about it, they, this is a celebration of life, right? Like those kinds of things are, uh, those, those are just readily available as, as concepts, yeah. right? This is a celebration of life. And so that's why I want to, you know, sort of canonize them in this way. And, um, uh, but I think uh, just with real quick with respect to Father David, I mean, even the way that he, when he celebrates the funeral mass and, and I mean, it's, you know, when he preaches on it, I mean, every, generally speaking, everyone responds very well to that. You know, it's probably similar to the marriage thing. Did you quote 1 Corinthians 11, 27 to (laughs) 29? Uh, Sometimes, um, because <laughs> hey, you, just want to let you know, I know not everyone here is Catholic. If you eat and drink of the body and blood in an unworthy manner, you are eating and drinking condemnation. You're guilty yep. of the very body and blood of Jesus. <laughs> I just want you to know that. First Epiphany, when Christ came into the world, <laughs> I mean, I do. You have to. Sadly, at every single wedding and at funerals, there are so few like people. I mean, it's a prime time. It's it's a beautiful opportunity to actually do like evangelization, or charismatic preaching, like to preach the good news. Um, because there are so many people who are just the, the the distant family members or, yeah, I guess, like, grandma wanted this funeral or something and to be Catholic. And so you have the opportunity to preach to them and to preach, like, repentance and, yeah, that, that God loves you and he's, he's calling you home. Like, we're all prodigal sons that God is calling home. And so, um, yeah, that becomes a, a, a beautiful moment to be able to do that. But you do have to end up explaining, like, to the, the Catholics, the non-Catholics, like, okay, we're entering now into the most holy part of the Mass. And you have to give this, like, really quick, like, explanation. Or sometimes I weave it into the homily in regards to, um, like, yeah, like, Christ established a church. Christ established, like, a sacramental economy. Like, he wasn't kidding in John chapter 6. Um, and because this is really, like, greater than the man in the desert, like, this is why St. Paul will say that. So if you're not ready yet, like, 
please don't receive the Eucharist. But at the same time, be encouraged that Christ says to us in Revelation, like, behold, I waited the door knocking. If you let me in, I will come in. And he says, and dine with you. So you might not be able to receive like sacramentally the Eucharist, but the Lord still wants in your heart and to call you to like total communion with him. So invite him in during this time, even if you're not ready to receive him sacramentally. In fact, invite him in so he can help convict your heart so that your heart may be totally surrendered to him. And that goes back to like the issues that we have with marriage and with funerals and even with like the mass as experienced by most of the people is that we have had like a revolution that's happened. I mean, again, it was, it was happening before, but it happened all over the world, especially in America in that 60s, 70s, all that sort of stuff, because we have like an anti, we, we hate authority. This goes back to like the first homily I basically ever did here. Like we don't yeah, we don't like authority, we don't like subordination, submission. But remember, is even when Ephesians five, when it's talking about this in terms of like husband and wife, like it's not a dirty word. Subordination to be under the order of. Like we're all called to be subordinate to Christ, to be under his order. In fact, like this is why we 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 have the cross like displayed in our churches. That that is where he's reordering the world. This is where the peace I I leave you, my peace I give you like the place of perfect peace is the cross like is it agonizing oh yeah it is but what is peace the tranquility of order augustine says he's reordering the world right there that is the moment of peace the prince of peace hanging on the cross is where peace can flow and when we embrace our crosses because the thing is christ didn't come to take away our crosses he came to transform our crosses um because we're all going to still have them but when he's in it when he when his strong shoulders are there like the burden can be easy. The yoke can be easy and the burden light. Like he can bring the true peace when our hearts are totally subordinated, totally submissive, like on mission, under his mission, like surrendered to him. But when it comes liturgically, we live in a consumeristic like world that wants to consume what it wants, how it wants, when it wants. Like, um, and that has infected the way we even encounter the the supernatural and uh, the the sacred liturgy, like heaven meeting earth. Like we want the wedding mass, how we want it, when we want it. Um, uh, we, we have separate masses. Now, granted, some of that has to do like with weddings. That has to do with if you got 200 people, like you're not going to invite 200 extra people to Sunday's mass where everybody's going to see this couple get married. But if you look at some of the rites, the church envisions like funerals and stuff like that, being a part of daily mass. I'll tell you one of the most beautiful daily masses I've ever gone to was in Costa Rica when they sent me for my first Spanish version, which uh, didn't really work all that well. Um, but uh, great, food, has to great do, food, terrible language skills. It actually has more to do with the, the three places they sent me afterwards, which were all Anglo and like no Spanish at all. But... Um, their fault their fault no anyway um uh but when it was daily mass and like all of a sudden i heard like a a rustling in the back and um and then all of a sudden a little tiny casket comes in i was like oh crud like we have a funeral right now and then the mom like as she processes in like sits right next to me i mean that that sign of peace meant something totally different at that day like I am really praying for you like to have the peace that only can come from Christ because to lose your little one, I don't even know how, I mean, might've been preached about that day. I couldn't understand. Um, but even more so like even then, like, okay, I'm, I'm not getting my daily mass, whatever I came to expect. Like now the church, like St. Paul says, when one part of the body suffers, all suffer. When all are glorified, all are glorified. And right now that little one like dying, like we're all suffering together. Like now, it's not just that little family's little tiny separate funeral in which they're choosing everything or whatever. Like it was just the daily mass and we all suffered together 
And we are all like just coming subordinate to heaven, pleading for like mercy, pleading for peace, pleading for God's like grace uh, to break in uh, and to change our hearts and to to bring cons- his consolation to, again, those of us who are, are grieving. Um, but again, when it comes then back to like the rest of our lived experience, like Again, a funeral be like picking and choosing stuff. Like I want these readings um, because they're, they're what I want or this poem that I want. I'm like, no, it, it, there's a beauty to just being, again, subordinate to the rights, like being a subordinate to like what, what the church has to give us. And yeah, we just, we enter in, but that's, it's not known well to our yep. world. This, <clears throat> this active receptivity through submission, through subordination, where, again, we just want to be consumers so often. And that's why you see, like, the crazy stuff in, like, daily Sunday masses and stuff like that. Like, we're trying to appeal to the consumer. Let's, let, let's give them this. Let's give them this. It's going to make them feel good and all that sort of stuff. It's like, no, no, no. If anything, we should try to be helping them surrender more. And, and the church has told us, like, what are going to be the things that are going to help us surrender more? Um, and But we don't, again, we don't turn back to it and look at it. Um, and appreciate the motherly wisdom uh, of of the church, which is guided by her spouse Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, and I would say one one thing too to add when I'm speaking particularly with funeral rites, but when it's celebrated as it's meant to be, it's I mean I hear it from the families and and even visitors is the how powerful it was for them, how how moved they were that. Catholic or not, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a sort of ad lib thing that was said. It was the celebration of the right. They can't even articulate it in that way, but it was, they just say that was beautiful. That was incredible. And so, you know, that, that's, that, that, that's what it is. That's, that's what I always tell people that we need to understand that the secondary, the tertiary things uphold (laughs) the secondary things, which uphold the main thing, the primary things. And when we depart from that, when you say, like, the church demands in the funeral liturgy no eulogy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no eulogy. But everyone wants a eulogy. Yeah. Right after communion or wherever they do it, right? They always want a eulogy. And and then you get a line of people telling stories and stuff. And you can understand the impulse of that, right? And that's appropriate afterward. See, when I'm, when I'm, what? I mean, you, you would ask, if I can jump in, like, you would ask, like, what's annoying to me about like, yeah. the funeral rites? that they're not actually celebrated, like, in, in the fullest sense. So they're supposed to be, like, a vigil, okay? And that vigil begins, like, if you want to think of um, uh, the funeral, right, it's kind of like its own little, like, triduum. Like, there is this, um, there's, we're, we're recognizing that death has occurred. We begin already coming together as a family, praying for this person. We're going to keep vigil that night, so the, the church is anticipating, like, throughout the world, like, this is what's going to happen. There's, that's why even in the, in the books, there's, like, a reception of the body. And there's all these other things that are at the beginning of the, the rites book because the church recognizes the body might be in the family's house. And they're going to keep vigil all night long, praying for their loved one. They're going to be together. That's where they're going to share stories. That's where they're going to speak the good word, the eulogy about this person. Thank God for their life. And then they go surrender them. Then they bring the body to the church because they've already, pr- they've already begun the praying for the soul. And now they're going to bring the soul and the body fully to the church to go, God, this person is totally yours. 
and we're, we continue to pray for them that you had mercy on them at the moment of their death or if they're still in purgatory, like now that you may have mercy upon them right now and let them experience the beatific vision. And then it continues, which is, again, is one of the sad things that we don't have like churches that have cemeteries on them because the rite continues. If you notice, there's not a final blessing at the end of a funeral mass because that final blessing comes at the committal. It's again very similar to Triduum, how like Good Friday yeah. doesn't have a blessing. It comes on at the Easter vigil. See, and people don't know that because they're not seeing this. Yeah. And so you're going through your own experience, your own pieta, your own passion, your own sorrow, your own grief. And you don't know that the church is tying that liturgically to the, to the, to the Triduum. And we're processing in an analogous way, but still there. Analogous, but like there is, and and two again, also this notion of accompaniment. We are accompanying you. If we did all the rights, if everybody do, and this is also where you get into like justice issues about how much it costs to like do a funeral nowadays, and all the different things that 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 are are wrapped up in this now, especially when you have to. the cemetery's 45 minutes away and you have to get a police escort and all these other things. Like it just costs so much. It just, it's terrible. And, and so, um, yeah, you can't engage this full accompaniment of the family again in, in their moment of grief to then surrendering their loved one to the Lord. And even again, this, this call for them to surrender themselves. There's always that implicit call. It's like, we're reflecting on death that like we are dust and to dust we shall return. Again, in, there's really a reflection upon death in every single one of those. We're talking about, like, marriage and funerals. Yeah, there's a, there's a death to self in baptism where you're, like, dying with Christ so as to rise with Christ. There's a death to self in marriage that this is not just all about you. You're dying so for love of the bride or love of the other so they may have, like, life in Christ. Yeah, and my wife is just killing me. <laughs> Go on. She's cross-eyed. <laughs> you guys weren't seeing eye to eye. <laughs> And then there's the actual funeral rites. Like now, bodily death has actually occurred. And we're hoping and praying that they had like a, um, not a spiritual death, but that they they died with Christ in spirit all of their life. Um, and now we're just going like, okay, but they have died. Like there has been an earthly death. And, but for, for the faithful Lord, life is changed, not ended, as we say in the, in the, in the pre- yeah. preface for uh, the dead. And I love but, that line. Yeah. yeah. But we're, we're, we're still even going to accompany them as we then place their body back in the ground, which we will, again, bring up that same thing you'd hear on Ash Wednesday, like, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And, like, yeah, now, we're, now we've, we've given the soul, now we're giving the body back to the Lord, like, and now, like, may his soul and all the, the souls of all the faithful departed rest in peace, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you who are here, you who continue to mourn, and then, too, like, traditionally, then you sing, like, the Salve Regina. Has um, anyone? Give. Have you ever been a part of a true funeral? I mean, yeah, I've, like that. I've done them. So you've done the vigil all night. We haven't done the vigil all night. Okay, so in fairness, no, not the vigil all night, but we've done an actual vigil, and then like prayed, and then done the eulogies and stuff like that there, and then because of just the the logistics of this world, like the the body needs to go back with the funeral home or you were at the funeral home when you did it. So then the family goes home, then they process like back to the church the next morning for the funeral. And then we go and do the committal. And, um, and even then to back this reflection on death, like, um, cause especially if you're living the whole liturgical life, like what do you sing at the end of every night at night prayer? Like you sing like the Salve Regina because it's a death, like in surrendering the night and everything to Christ so that you may rise with him, the morning star, like the next morning, um, and then surrender yourself that morning. Um, and so there's, there's this whole 
I mean, all the rights like feed into each other. There is some beautiful things about the new rights. It's just we don't know it. And it, and again, it hasn't been experienced. Um, and, and so people can't even see the beauty of it. Um, and then the sad part is, is then you try to change something and you can't, you can't catechize everybody all along the way. And, and so, too, back to your point of when people experience it, they just go like, wow, they can't put it into words. Right. And that shows you they've had some connection with the reality, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Um, uh, you can catechize all day long, and, that's an, and their intellect may be able to grasp it, and there is an element of that. But there also is just a part where we, we just got to do the thing. Right. Yeah. We got to do it well, and they got to be able to have the opportunity to like encounter. Like we talk about a sunset over the mountains like a million times, and, and show even pictures will of raise it. you up on <laughs> eagles' wings. Everybody, bear you not the breath of dawn. Make you to shout after <laughs> sun. You, you got way too into that. I'm that, sorry. That the was active participation. Oh, like I oh, I'm seen. sorry. Was I so just much. fully consciously active participating? <laughs> well, our friends but yeah, but... were uh, Father Paul Scalia preached yeah. their oh, man. Yeah, his wedding. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh. Well, well, our friends were the priest that married them was Father Paul Scalia. Mm. Yes, and his whole homily oh, was on today. You are dying. And it was like they were. Even, There's they no were, joyful music. Hey, so stop smiling! Burgess. Stop smiling! You in the back. You start singing "Pa Yezu." <laughs> Is that Celine? No, it's uh, Charlotte Church. Oh, okay. Charlotte Church. She <laughs> nailed it. She nailed it. <laughs> have you ever been a part of a funeral that does a uh, vigil all night? I have. No, I wasn't expecting him to say it. Going to try to <laughs> trump him. What funeral was it? Uh, the two that were I mean, the two requiem masses that were here. We had they, the, you did an all night vigil with the bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The night before they do the all night vigil. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I was a part of it for uh, FUS alum Matt Covey when Matt uh, jumped off the bridge, um, not trying to kill himself at all, uh, just jumping mm-hmm. off a bridge <laughs> in, yeah. into some gross Ohio River water. Yep. Um, but he died. It took three days to find his body. They shipped the body to California. They did the preparations there. And then his parents actually called me and paid for my plane ticket because I was a newly graduated kid. I couldn't afford it. Flew out there. There's 40, 30 or 40 Frannies, all newly graduated. I walk into their house near, I think it was in West Covina, California. I walk in and right off to the side, there's like a sitting room. And there's this coffin. Closed casket, you know, obviously. And people who were, because Matt hung out with the cool kids, right? And uh, they, I mean, <laughs> most of them did not like me, right? Like, as human persons, they did not like me at all. Uh, for, and I can understand why. I was a belligerent AMDGer, right? Like, this is, we're the annoying ones. Every single one of them, like, walk up to me and was like, oh, my, Gomer? Because we haven't seen each other in, yeah, I think it was a year, maybe, after um and just hugged and cried like immediately we're crying and so good to see you and i'm like you know what it's it's actually really good to see you and then i i'll never forget that experience of sitting in the room and his mother and father is their house they would come downstairs they bought like 50 pizzas you know and and we just told a thousand stories Mm. in the family room the living room the kitchen but when you went into that sitting room 
You were alone with the body. You were there with the body. Uh, you were never alone. There was always 10 or 12 people. Um, I want to say maybe an ex-girlfriend slept on the floor, refused to leave, didn't move, you know, the whole time, just wept. Uh, we all told stories, you know, whatever. We caught up on each other's lives. You do, it, it was this crazy thing of like, prayer life reunion you know like it was all of those things mm-hmm. mixed up that funerals can tend to be weddings yep. can tend to be the next day we all get dressed we go to the the church and they bring the body and it was a beautiful funeral mass i don't remember any of it i just remember walking the casket to the graveyard because it was nearby they buried then we go to the parish hall for a reception is that what you call it? Reception? Yeah, mm-hmm. reception. Yeah. We're eating food. It's now, it's been like three, four hours. So we're eating lunch or whatever. And then they put a microphone right in the middle of the room and like, would anyone like to share stories of Matt? Mm. And it was incredible because it was very human. It was very beautiful, but it was separate from the liturgy. Mm-hmm. And we had kept vigil. Yeah. All, literally, yeah, I didn't yeah. go to sleep at all that night. I think I probably fell asleep at sunrise, you know, for a couple hours. And then we got ready. Um, and then my buddy Adam walks up and he just goes show of hands how many ladies in this room have ever been hit on by matt covey and all the girls <laughs> raise their hand and he's, everyone starts laughing he goes show of hands how many guys have been hit on by <laughs> matt covey we all <laughs> raise our hands. it was so funny but it was like it was the thing it was the thing that you wanted yeah. a funeral to be we worshiped god and we prayed for his soul in the liturgy before the liturgy and we and we did the celebrating the life thing yeah but it was we didn't try to make the liturgy that thing Mm -hmm. and that's what was amazing yep yeah and that's great i mean that's that we need more of that we need to be able to um do the whole breadth of like human things the natural things the supernatural things but everything in its right place at its right time um but when we try to merge it all in whether it's to the mass whatever it it, it just yeah. it becomes a mess make and the then, liturgy do everything yeah and no it, i'm glad y'all had the opportunity to like you said you walked with the the casket too because that's one of the things that i also it's so sad that we don't have again the the cemeteries on the on the properties anymore because yeah. the right thinks you literally say at the end like now let us escort our brother to his place of rest and then you would just continue processing to the plot. see that's another thing that's another about that lived experience of the liturgy is the church is writing this anticipating at the church's graveyard and you are taking the body to the grave and it's a procession, just like it was a procession to go receive Holy Communion. It's a procession now to go to the gravesite. And we don't, I didn't even know cemeteries were holy ground. I thought they were creepy ground. You know mm-hmm. what taught me the cemeteries were holy ground? Does anyone know? Charlie Brown. Nope. Pop culture. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Close. Very close. <laughs> Dracula 2000? Uh, I don't know if that's closer. Here we are. We are born. To be kings, we're the princes of the universe. 300? 
Highlander. Highlander. Uh, <laughs> Christopher Lambert. You got I am a mortal. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. the series, right? That was oh, the yeah, theme song right, for the series. Right. But Highlander, they would kill each, they chop each other's heads off, yeah, yeah. and there can be only one. <laughs> right. Uh, it's very biblical. And uh, but whenever there's holy ground, you can't do it. And there, and the guy runs to a, a cemetery, a Catholic cemetery, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what, what are you talking about? That's a creepy place. And my mom was like, what do you mean a cemetery isn't a creepy place? Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? Of course it is. That's what all nightmares come from. That's what every Hollywood, Hollywood, uh, ho- ho- I can't remember what it's called. Halloween, Hollywood mm-hmm. eyes, Halloween thing. It's all about, oh, you're going to go to a graveyard. And it's like, no, no, this, this is holy. Yeah. This is where the body of the saints are buried. This is where people who received the anointing of the sick and uh, last rites and viaticum. And the body that received that is now in the ground. And I, I'm just the whole time. I'm like, the, your world is not my world, woman. And it wasn't because my mom grew up where every neighborhood had a Catholic church and every Catholic church more or less had a graveyard that they were accessible to. Maybe not there, but is it wrong to to say that basically to sum up the episode that what we're shooting for is Mulga make liturgy great again? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I've been waiting to say that. I was like, wait, when can I insert that? Uh, not yet. Mulga. Uh, 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 dang it. I got hats made. They are blue trucker hats. Oh, I was yes. very confused. Black. I think there were two I times where black. I was like. Just give me black. I was two times. I was like, oh, I'm going to say it. Nope. Now this went real serious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Now we're talking about vigils. Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah, we make it great again by remembering, like, that we're, if anything, we're on procession. I mean, that's one of the things that I really want to bring back to the parish, and I think it's one of the things in general that needs to be rediscovered is this notion of procession, um, that we don't get, and again, this is baptismal right. The baptismal rites often, and you've been dealing with a lot with this, and it's it's much more difficult the larger the group. Um, and again... Uh, I love the baptismal right. It's baptism of one child, baptism of several children, baptism of many children. Many. Yes. <laughs> many several um, children. But also, too, like how churches are laid out. Um, but yeah. there's there's multiple processions in there, which is supposed to be a microcosm of, like, our spiritual life. Like, you're outside the church, then you're brought into the church, the gospel is proclaimed to you, you pass through the living waters, like, and then you make you the procession to the, to, the, to the sanctuary. Yeah. You move towards the sanctuary where heaven meets earth, because that is our whole goal in life. And the like, hardest part is to get clergy to let them do the procession from the baptismal font to the altar because, quote, it's not a good photo op, quote, it takes too much time. But and it, I'm like, are you kidding me? It's the altar! What? And it's important because this goes, again, you have a procession at the beginning of your life, you have a procession at the end of your life. And in fact, you've every Sunday, because you've come to Mass, you've had, a, you've had multiple processions there, particularly the communion procession. Are you processing towards the altar? And this is why it's so important, like, the, the not receiving when you are in the state of mortal sin is because you've stopped your procession. Ooh. You have stopped your I procession. I told you, Brian. And you need, this He's is often why, this is often why confessionals are in the back of the church, right near the baptismal font, because you must be mystically washed in the waters again, in the blood of the lamb, so that you can begin your procession again. And so you should not go up in procession during the communion procession if you're not ready to receive. All right. Now, this is where I think we're getting a little off with the symbols. Okay. I should fine. be standing in the baptismal font while I make my confession. <laughs> Balls in your court. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> it normally ruins but, an amazing point. I'll pass. I'm not doing it. But, yeah. I mean, we, we need to recognize the procession because Ow. what are we? We are 
parishioners. Okay, where's that word come from? It comes from the same like Latin word for pariah. We are pariahs in this world. That's what a parishioner is. You are. This is not your and home. Fact. I can vouch for at least ninety percent of our congregation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they are but, but this is not no, our home. Kidding. Yeah. This is not our home. We are on a procession home. Which is why every funeral but, should have that song. I'm not home yet. <laughs> this is not where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. 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 No, got, I love that. I think that's awesome. We got to have this on video. Yeah. <laughs> Some of your motions. I wouldn't do them if it was on video. See, that's the thing. I'm not enfleshed, not incarnate. <laughs> just a disembodied voice. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is crazy because. Excuse me, that was crazy. Leave Edit. that in. Leave it in. Uh, I'll add a reverb. It'll be fine. It's fine. It's always fine. But this is the sadness. This is the poverty of our church today, though. Yes. Yeah. Is like none of us experience this. Like if I die, and let's be honest, soon it'll happen. <laughs> I'm forty. Got to read that Times yeah. article on the Amish. I did. I did. Okay, nope. You need twenty thousand steps a day. Telomeres? Wait. Telomeres. They oh, their telomeres are so long it's embarrassing. Really? Yeah. Yep. Oh, I'm gonna super nerd out on this. Later. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'll send the you article. Is, biology, so I'll yeah. send you the article. I love this. Yeah. The article. The article is like four paragraphs long because it's Time Magazine. So it's like right <laughs> when you want <laughs> to have exciting level. thing, you're like, and we're done. And okay. that's the author bio. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Read this other article. Yeah. Great. But uh, shit. What was I saying? No. But this is the thing. This is the poverty. Like we don't have this so much. So Both if, intellectually and lived. Yes. Mm. Again, it's not. Why talk- do I care about the intellectual part? I just care about the live part. I want, so this is what I'm going to say. I'm clearly going to die soon. We all know this. I'm going to be the first one of us all. I'm the first one of 40. Okay. Yeah, sure. Great birthday party. If I'm so sorry, I heard. what? I couldn't hear you with your uh, voice. I'm in a choir group. <laughs> we had practice tonight. Uh, I'm stressed. That's what, Yeah. It's yeah. Just, uh, my no, but we didn't have a great birthday party. We didn't even talk about my yeah. birthday party. We don't need to. But I'm going to say, if you guys, if both of you do, and everyone listening is invited to my funeral, but only on the condition that you come to the vigil and stay up all night with my body, which may or may not be in a coffin. I'll be at the door going, hi, how are you? Thanks for coming. Were you at the vigil? Oh, you didn't get to make it? Mm. Mm. I'm all sorry. You don't welcome. get any microphone time. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? All are not welcome. All are not welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Here. Uh, go to the vigil. Nope, this is what I welcome. said for my wife. I said, this is all I want at my funeral mass. It's a man in a kilt playing amazing grace on bagpipes i just i've seen that in every cop movie for the camino every every time a chicago police officer is killed or a new york police officer they're all apparently all catholic and they have amazing (laughs) grace bagpipes catholic funeral yes it films well catholic funerals film well at the committal so will you do that sure at the committal you promise amazing grace can i ruin it for us or should i not no ruin it okay sung Years ago to parish, during communion, the lady goes, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a bitch, <clears throat> a wretch <laughs> like me. Everyone's... What? That, that really happened. Yeah. So now I, I that song is ruined for me. That's a dumb But I will say, rats. I mean, stuff like that happens. I, I have no doubt something like that happened. It's just like when it's in the yeah. scriptures, it says brazier, and people go brazier. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well. Ah, right, it is on fire. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're liberated, lady. <laughs> but I will say, what redeemed it was Loan Gifford 
singing it in the movie. What movie? Uh, what a, the the guy, Mr. the Fantastic Four actor, that when he played he played uh, who, whoever the British guy was. Look at my finger. Look over here, over here, Mike. You are talking so much with your hands. Who <laughs> is the Low Ann Gifford, the actor? He remember he played that movie where he was, played the real guy that wrote that song. Um, oh yes, so I sorry. Can't the, wow. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the title. Why do you know that name? See, this is where getting super nerdy and trying to tell a joke about it fails miserably. <laughs> Good lord! I was like, oh, everyone. So the guy laugh at who Lowen played Gifford. Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four, yeah. also was the guy who wrote the hymn "Amazing Grace." Yes, and he was and an abolitionist it, in the movie "Amazing Grace." Yeah. Um, Wow. Camera, uh, Bob, I, think it, I think it was Bob Saget. No, it was Elizabeth Johnson. <laughs> Elizabeth Johnson. No one needed to die. Right, right. That's the that's the hymn I want. I want Elizabeth Johnson's book. No one needed to die. A new theory on the atonement. Read at my funeral. The introduction will sorry, be the man. eulogy at your reception. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. These are incongruent things. <laughs> He's dead, but no one needed to die. <laughs> it was a gift of grace. Mm. Mm. 